everybody, you're listening to the Big Chill Podcast, episode 13, The Gladiator Situation. Welcome, boys. I want to start off with Eddie, clear eyes, full heart. Can't lose. Exactly. And for everyone who knows what that means, it's our top sports movies round. Uh, and we're going to get into that a little later, but let's just say hi to everyone. So, Eddie, how are you doing over there in Paris? Yeah, I'm okay. Hopefully, uh, connection is slightly more stable this week, so I'll have to. You won't have a change in my voice midway through the podcast. That's fingers crossed on that one. And Sam, would you have known the answer to clear eyes, full heart? Nope, absolutely not. Yeah. What is it? What film? I guess it's we can Friday rule Night that Lights. one out from yeah. We yeah, can rule that yeah. one out from your top five then, huh? <laughs> unless it's somehow unintentionally in my top five. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also a little unfair because I don't know. It can kind of be argued that it was more popular as a as a TV show than it was the movie. I'm gonna drop this on you. It's a better book. I've I've read the book. I have the book. The book is currently sitting on my bookshelf. So for me, I'm just. I mean. We're going to get down to this topic, I think, after we clear up a couple current events. But Friday Night Lights is not in my top five. And it's because I went TV show, then book, and then movie. And so the movie was the least enjoyable of the three. Still a good movie, but just not good enough to crack my top five. I would agree that the show is better than the movie, but I think the book is the best. The book is always the best. We, we argue about that all the time. Uh, but yeah. for those, Frank's I guess, a big, Sam, just, just so you know, Frank is a big believer in the idea that nothing, the power of his imagination is greater than anything that any director, producer and actors <laughs> could ever put together. So the book, he's, he's one of those, you know, he's a real hipster on the sense of like, if the book exists, the book was definitely better than the movie. Yeah. yeah. I find that most people just say that to make sure that the other person knows they've read it. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, the book was better. It's like, well, great. Oh yeah, it's well, it's the most pretentious response to anything because yep. it is it is just be like, hey, just so you know, I read, I read, I'm smarter than you, I read. <laughs> yeah, that's all you're doing. <laughs> oh, are you yeah, a dum dum and, and you need images? You need images, idiot, do you? Oh, Mister Dum Dum over there can't read. Well, Eddie, I don't like when you quote me word for word like you just did. First off, but it came to a point when I would be in Paris that. I would, if a movie was coming out, I would actively go get the book first and read the book very quickly before I saw the movie, just so I could tell Eddie, just so I could tell Eddie that the book was better than the movie. (laughs) Absolutely. I have never hated you more. (laughs) (laughs) He used to get so mad. (laughs) But uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, today we're going to be doing the top sports movies. We've each picked our top five of what we think the best sports movies are. Uh, and we're going to go through and kind of debate and argue and give our reasons as to why we think it's the best. Um, but first, I think we should probably start, like Eddie said, with some of the current events. So I guess the big one, Eddie, you want to unload the situation of what happened at the U.S. Open in tennis? Yeah, I mean, the biggest, I mean, it's going to be one of the bigger sports stories of the year in many ways. But Novak Djokovic was... Uh, defaulted, so dis- disqualified from the U.S. Open yesterday because after being broken in the first set, I think he went down 6-5, lost his serve. He, in frustration, hit a ball back towards the backcourt and it hit, struck a line judge in the throat. 
Uh, and so as a result of that, he was disqualified from the tournament. Now, I, I guess since you probably have the best knowledge out of the three of us of tennis having played growing up, can you kind of break down what the rule is and why he was defaulted? Don't hit someone in the throat. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason he was given on court from what you could overhear when the tournament official came out, the kind of reason why they thought it was a serious enough incident was because the line judge had to receive medical attention and then had to actually would have had to have been replaced. And so the fact that he had injured a line judge severely enough that they would not, they would have had to have brought in like a new crew of line judges to cover his match was the reason why they thought it had crossed the line and become serious enough for him to be disqualified. That being said, that's not a rule. Fundamentally, he just had behaved so poorly. Um, And there's a rule about sort of acting in a way that is dangerous to people around the court, either to officials or even to spectators. And that's the reason why he was defaulted. And there's precedent for this. I mean, a couple of years ago, um, Shapovalov was disqualified from the Davis Cup, he was playing Canada, we're playing Great Britain in a Davis Cup tie. And Shapovalov was broken and in frustration smacked the ball in towards, towards the stands and it hit the umpire in the eye. Um, and, it, and that was much more vicious. I mean, it, again, totally accidental. And it's the, it's the clear thing here that intent is not an element. Um, the, the umpire who was hit, I think he fractured his orbital uh, bone and had to have surgery to repair it. Uh, and then that was kind of different in a way because I think Shapovalov was down two sets and a break when it happened. So the disqualification was kind of a moot point. He was clearly going to lose. And then there was also, I, I mean, this must have been probably over 10 years ago. And actually, Sam, you might remember it. David Nalbandian was playing in the final of Queens and he kicked out after losing a point and he kicked an advertising board that was in was oddly placed right in front of one of the line judges and he smashed that in and it went into the line judge's ankle and caused the uh caused the line judge to begin bleeding and he also was disqualified which also meant that his opponent who from the top the top of my head i want to feel was chillich but that might be completely wrong uh ended up actually winning the tournament because it was the final now bandian is a name i thought i would never hear in my life but i i kind of I kind of remember that, actually. It's... It was a pretty big story at the time. So, I mean, I'm just going to say this. They were totally wrong to uh, disqualify Djokovic. Because I also think the interpretation has to be, and growing up playing tennis, the behavior of young tennis players on the court is, in terms of the, all the sports they played, I think it was the worst. You just have the most bratty, petulant little kids reacting to losing all the time. You were perfect for that sport. Yeah, you were one of those. (laughs) No, no, my behavior was very good. You were so perfect for that that. sport. My sport was so exemplary on court. That was one thing that would never be faulted in my tennis game. But the, I think you have to think from the perspective of like a young player watching Djokovic who sees him lose a point, lose a game, lose a set, even lose a match and reacts by doing that. Um, it's just a bad example to be setting. So I think it's totally the right thing to have done. It obviously, through circumstance in a way, the the impact of his disqualification is even greater than it would be under normal, in a normal situation. Because uh, obviously there's, you know, no Federer, no Nadal. Murray had already been knocked out. 
Um, so I think, and Chilich has been knocked out as well. So you're now at a stage where no matter who wins this U.S. Open, it's going to be a new Grand Slam winner. And also there's not currently, I believe there's not currently any tennis, male tennis player under 30 that's won a Grand Slam. And the likelihood is now that that will, be, that will change. Now, it could be different, of course, because I think uh, Karina Busta might be the only one left over 30. And maybe I'm doing him a disservice and he's in his late 20s. But there could still be an over 30-year-old hold on to this, I guess. But, but it looks like it will kind of change the tennis landscape. It's also really interesting because you do have a couple of the sort of pretenders to the throne of the next generation of tennis players still in the tournament. So if Team or Medvedev or Zverev are now able to win the U.S. Open, it will put them kind of first in order now of who is going to take over from the Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, Nadal generation. Yeah, so my issue with the default is I, I get the rule. You know, you can't do anything out of frustration or anger that would injure or harm. And it, it goes past umpires and officials too. I think it even says like fans or anything, like anyone that's pretty much there at the match. The thing is, there was no clear intent. It wasn't like he was aiming purposely at her throat. And then the other thing that kind of bothered me was they brought up an, a similar incident he had had in the 2016 French Open yeah. where he slammed his racket onto the ground and it just barely missed hitting an official. And in that case, he didn't get really anything. I think, I don't know if he even got warned for it or maybe he did get like a warning, but he didn't really get any punishment. But had that person been six inches to the right, and he hits that person in the leg and probably injures them, then he's out. So, so to me, that's the only thing I don't like about this rule, where it's like, it, it just happens to be where that person's standing. You know, if maybe, maybe, maybe she's got a big throat. You know, maybe her throat was stuck out a little bit. If she had a slimmer throat, maybe it doesn't hit her. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, like, still, maybe I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I, I'm obviously just joking. But do you know what I mean? Like, had she yeah, just I been standing yeah. three inches yeah. to the right, it's nothing. And, and you still have Djokovic who's probably going to go and win the yeah. U.S. Open. So that's the only issue I had with it. And either I think you blanket that rule and say, you know, more towards any type of frustration that could injure or harm someone is some sort of punishment, you know, whether maybe there's a scale or something. But you can't go from slamming a racket and missing someone's leg by an inch and nothing and hitting a ball carelessly, you know, towards the side and, striking a woman's throat and being defaulted it's 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 a tough break yeah it is but and yeah it is there's that element of just luck or bad luck in it that he happened to hit it because obviously he wasn't looking there was no intent involved it was just carelessness it was but that being said if you did just say well hey if you hit a ball towards the backcourt you could get disqualified from the tournament you could conceivably have an umpire who doesn't like a player and the player just goes to hit the ball back towards the ball boys or girls and not in an aggressive way but in the way that most tennis players would do all the time of here's a spare ball and the umpire goes whoa 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 hit the ball towards the back of the court you are disqualified sir like so there is I think, unfortunately, you don't want to leave too much of it up for interpretation, and that means that you're going to have to have... Now, hitting it into the stands would probably remove the need for interpretation, because there, if you just smashed it into the spectators, you would say, regardless of whether or not you hit someone, you've endangered a large group of people. But when it stays contained to the court, either by when you're throwing your racket or when you're hitting the ball, it's a little bit difficult to be too serious in the punishment unless... um, 
unless you actually do sort of hurt someone. I did like uh, 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 Nick Kyrgios was obviously watching this and he, and he's not taking part in the U S open. And he tweeted uh, just, just out of interest. If I had done what Djokovic had just done, how long would I be banned from tennis for five years, 10 years or 20 years? That's the thing with the Djokovic French Open one that Frank brought up is that the line judge moved out of the way. The line judge was going to be hit by the racket and they moved out of the way. So what we're saying is that you can do what you want as long as the person's got some, uh, certain reactions that they can get out of the way. You're probably just going to get a warning or get away with it. But because she was slow, the Djokovic got disqualified because of it. Let's be clear. There's a difference between... Uh, say throwing your racket and the ability to move out of the way of a bouncing racket versus someone smashing a ball at probably 80 to a hundred miles from no. 15 feet away. No, come on. It was like, a, the, the no, reaction. no, no, it was not that fast. He didn't like turn and serve at her. No, I, I, I completely agree with Sam. He took a decent swing, but 80 to a hundred miles per hour is I would say maybe 40 miles yep. an hour oh no 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 if you think he he hit he made solid contact with that i'll put it this way if Djokovic is only hitting even like partially sort of effort forehands 40 miles an hour then we need to pile on Djokovic's career being over so can we work on just that 40... can we like scientifically work time? this out because if we do the time between the contact and hitting her throat and, okay i'll and tell you what we'll, we can we'll, work it we'll out try and we figure can work it out yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, I will review the video footage between now and Thursday. I will send you what I've put together. I won't just, I won't just say, guys, I looked it up. It's 87. I will send this to you. And before the next time, we can discuss the precise speed and see whether or not for you it was acceptable enough that she couldn't get out of the way. As long as it's verified. Like, well, here's my I, other question, but, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> How, say, say I hit you in the throat with a tennis ball. Is it taking you down? No, I've always, I've always said this. This is one of the things that actually bothers me a lot. You see it with line judges all the time from even just from serves when they'll get hit by a serve, you know, and it hits them and they react as if it's really, really, really hurt. Now, if it hit you in the face, the throat, okay, I'll give it, it probably wouldn't have been pleasant. I would have, I wouldn't have been happy about it, but I think for example, it wouldn't have forced me to retire from being the line judge for the day. But you sometimes you see them they get hit in like the stomach and stuff and they really act as if it's been super painful and the commentators always go wow that must have really hurt you know 130 mile an hour serve right into the stomach he's like no 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 it wasn't 130 miles at the point at which it hit them like like it's a, it was a 130 mile an hour serve the ball by the time it has reached them at the back of the court is probably traveling 80 miles an hour 90 miles an hour and they've got clothing and stuff on and they have somewhat reacted to the brace for the impact when it sometimes it like physically takes them off their feet and i always think that is ridiculous like i will happily stand at the back of a court and take a serve from andy roddick or chillich or isner or whoever and it wouldn't worry me that if it went to my chest that i was being that i'm going to be physically endangered i've just got this idea now of you at the back kind of like really tensed up with the muscles kind of they're just waiting for these bulls to hit you. Well, I did see, and I did see you some commentator, and I, this was kind of a 
Twitter troll, I think. But the guy, the guy's argument was basically not too far dissimilar to what you guys are saying, but was like, if she isn't fit enough to be able to get out of the way of a ball on a tennis match, then she isn't fit enough to be a line judge. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit trolling. But I mean, this is probably trolling as well. But did you guys hear the 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 kind of like screams that she let out after or like the painful screams yeah i didn't hear those i I didn't hear the screams it i i don't it kind of it in the same way that if you gave me like a dead leg or you know like punch me in the side of the thigh i'd be like oh 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 you bastard kind of thing this is kind of what she does and it's so strange (laughs) it was pretty funny also funny was the way she looked at djokovic after yeah it, it looked as if she clearly thought he was out to take her throat off. She gave him a death stare. And I get it, you're pissed. But at the same time, you've got to kind of realize that he was just pissed and just hit the ball. You know, she, the way she stared, it, it seemed to her that she was being targeted. Here's a, here's a question for you both. Do you think, because Djokovic has, you know, with that French Open thing, and I'm pretty sure I've seen in the news, it happened before as well. Do you think yeah, that was, past that's things me. have, yeah. do you think they've influenced the kind of straight to default there? No. No, to me, that's just, that's just one of those cut and dried things. As soon as you struck the ball at her, you're, you, he's going to be out. No matter, even if he'd had the most perfect track record, um, and I think that Djokovic actually, I really disliked Djokovic in his early years of his career because I did think he came across as an asshole. And I think he's matured. Now, he's, it's not been a great few months for Djokovic because he's obviously, he's an anti-vaxxer. And he was not, you know, he held that big event in Serbia, like during the sort of start of the lockdown in over, all over Europe. And then multiple people caught COVID-19 who attended the event, including him and his wife. Um, so it's not been the greatest. This is only, this is going to kind of compile the bad news that and sort of bad press that Djokovic has been having recently. But and to me, that actually, the one thing I will say, the, the, the look she gave him, the one thing you have to say about Djokovic is he instantly reacted. Like the minute he hit it yeah. and he kind of realized, he had that moment that we've kind of all been there when you like throw something or whatever and you suddenly realize like, uh-oh, this is tracking immediately for the thing it's not supposed to hit. And he had that look on his face of like, oh shit. And then he did instantly go to her. So at least he didn't react and like, well, screw you. I just lost a, like, I'm going to lose a set. <laughs> like, Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, we've all been there, right? We've, we've thrown a glass bottle at a bar and, and broken someone's skull, right? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, as Eddie was saying, that this does leave the U.S. Open wide open. Um, and it'd be interesting if Eddie's adopted son can now finally get his, his major victory. Yeah, I mean, obviously, my one U.S. Open tip I gave everyone was not to bet on Zverev to win. And now he's never going to have a better chance probably to win a Grand Slam. I still think he's had a really... Kevin Anderson aside in the first round, he's at a pretty easy path to where he is now. So I would say I'd like to, I think the likely winner is uh, Medvedev or, uh, or team. I think one of them will probably be the winner, but you know, Zverev, if he, if he has his head right for a big match, he's as talented as anyone else. So you never know, but I still wouldn't bet on him. All right. So that can bring us along into the NBA playoffs. And for those who haven't been listening, Sam the Squid, the great prognosticator that he is, 
made a valiant effort in beating in trying to beat Eddie in round one predictions and went six for eight. And Eddie went a very respectable eight for eight. Can't do any better. And now they are pretty close in the second round. I still give the squid a slight edge, um, but Eddie is pulling back now. So well, tonight's tonight's huge. So tonight's the huge. two the two series in questions are the Bucks Heat series, and obviously the Bucks kind of miraculously won yesterday. Still, they're down three one. They would become the first team in history to ever come down back from three zero. Admittedly, in the bubble, that's a slightly different look because you're not having to play a home and away game or anything like that. So, not going on the road for those four in any point in those four games is a little bit different. But Giannis is he left the game yesterday with an ankle injury, he re injured his ankle, he didn't return, and they won. And they they played so much better without him. I mean, I we kind of on social media, our Twitter account, if anyone's not following us, the Big Chill podcast is pretty active. Um, you know, all through this series, the big issue, well, actually, basically since the bubble play started, Chris Middleton, who's the second best Bucks player, uh, arguably, he has been a corpse. And he came back to life um, when Giannis went out. I mean, it was, a, it was an incredible improvement from him. And overall, their ball movement was way better. Their effort was much better. Now, you don't want to leap yeah, to they, conclusions because obviously... They were was, really moving those balls around. No, but I mean, it was it was remarkable having watched them up until now. I mean, they had looked so bad ever since the restart. Suddenly, they were, you know, really moving the ball around, getting open shots. Every player was involved. I think there was, I remember seeing when Giannis went out, it was something like uh, the, the Bucks combined up until the point when he was injured and left the game. The other Bucks players had only scored 11 points in that game. Um, so the fact that they were then able to drag themselves back into it go to overtime, win in overtime. I mean, it was really surprising, but you'd have to imagine he's out for game five. And in that case, it's difficult to see them doing that again. So I think that series is over. I'll also say this. Just one more point. Well, the other thing, go ahead. Okay, go for it. No, no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, I mean, the other issue is they're still down 3-1, you know, so they still have to win three more games. It's not like it's now three, two, three, three. I mean, to win three more in a row is still really tough. Had had it been three, two, three, three, I maybe give them a chance, but you have to expect the heat can win one out of the next three games. Yeah. I mean, I have, I lost a little bit of respect for the heat because several of their players after the game basically said like, Oh, we took our foot off the gas when Giannis went out. We kind of thought it was, it was done. And I think even if that's the case, you just don't say it. You, you, you own the fact that you didn't play well enough. Um, the thing you got to say is like, obviously we had a conversation last week, like is Giannis a genuine superstar? Is his, are his playoff failures hurting his reputation, his standing within the game? Now, if they end up, I think his ankle injury is going to mean that, for example, if they lose game five, he's going to be able to say, I got injured and we lost that series. And over time, people will probably forget that they were down 3-0 at the time the injury happened. And they'll kind of spin it as, oh, they weren't fully healthy. And so, of course, they lost to the Heat. The Heat were a little bit better than we expected. And without Giannis, like, at 100%, they couldn't win. My only other argument is, if the Bucks somehow come back now and win this in seven games and Giannis is not involved, then it really starts to hurt because then you start to think like, oh, they are clearly actually a better team without him. 
which is not great. Yeah, and you you can slightly make that argument for just even that game, where as soon as he went out, they were down, right? When he went out, and then they came back. They were down. Well, they were down by a point, I think. So I yeah. think they were down by two when he got injured. He then was forced to come back onto the court to shoot the free throws, because as it wasn't a flagrant foul, if he left the court, if he didn't shoot the free throws from the foul, he wouldn't have been able to come back into the game. So he came back on to shoot the free throws just on the off chance that he was going to get cleared to come back in, which obviously then didn't happen. Um, and then they went down in, they kind of fell. I mean, I think they went down by sort of seven, eight points in the third and fourth quarters. It looked, it would look like it was over. And then they fought back. Then they kind of blew it because they were up, they were up uh, by four points with, as the game was coming to an end. Um, but yeah, they. I mean, they looked a much better team. So yeah. it's a sample size of half a game so far, but they looked much better without him. And then the other well, series, the, yeah, the other series tonight's huge because tonight's game five. The series is tied at two. The Celtics looked way better than the than the Raptors for the first two games, uh, and then kind of game three had the crazy ending which, I, I mean, Frank and I were speaking about it when it happened. I, the, for context, Sam obviously probably won't seen or heard of this, even though he's now making NBA picks in a public forum. I, I, try, to avoid it, him as, it, I try to avoid him is where I'm good. <laughs> and for so the, the record, Sam has the Celtics and Eddie yeah. has the Raptors in this series. Yeah, so the Celtics were up two with half a second left. They scored to take the lead. And the Raptors called a timeout, so the ball advanced to... Uh, uh, the midway and then they threw it in they kind of ran this really great play where obviously you expect the pass to be like on the half of the court where it's being inbounded and then just threw a cross-court pass to a guy who was wide open for a three and he managed to get the ball off in under half a second and win the game for them now even though that was good for me i have the slight rant of like I don't really think it's physically possible to catch and release a ball in half a second. And I think that the, they like the timing starts, like someone physically starts the timing when they see someone catch the ball. So it's already re, it's already like relying on human reaction times to start the timer. Yeah. So my, my thing with it is you're right. It's human relying. So it was probably closer to 0.7, 0.8. And I think that's definitely enough time to get a shot off. I mean, you can get a shot off pretty quickly. So the NBA requirement, I think, is 0.3. If it's under 0.3, they don't allow. They they consider it done. Like, they won't count it. But I just, I don't know. I think, look, it's the standard. And he looked, obviously, when you watch the replay, the ball was clearly out of his hand before the buzzer goes. So it's fine. It's just, to me, I don't really think. I think because it relies on sort of human reaction on both sides it's not a great system but you know it's consistently applied so you can't be too critical of it but then game four the raptors were just the better team so going into game five are you getting the first half of the series or the second half of this series that's a big question obviously for me if i can sneak that one out uh we have the same two teams in the other two series so it means at least i can't lose to sam and that's Mm. that's at least something i can hold on to and it would at least mean that too. I have the chance of being eleven and twelve on my picks, eleven out of twelve on my picks going into the next round. Yeah, and the other two you have, you both have the Lakers over the Rockets, and that series is tied at one-one. 
And then you both have the Clippers over the Denver Nuggets, and that series is tied at 1-1. So you're right. You could go 11 for 12, or you could lose with the Clippers and the Lakers <laughs> and go well, I could, 9 I could for go, 12. <laughs> you, I cannot rule out 0 for 4 on this uh yeah. in this round like that is in play it would stun me i think the lakers kind of figured out lebron james in his obviously this is year 17 i think of his career i think um he has lost the opening game of a playoff series 12 out of uh, uh, 20 times now which is kind of crazy when you think of the runs to the finals that he had and just overall how good his performance has been in the playoffs lebron james's teams just kind of you know, like take a break in game ones of series quite a lot. So it is not unusual. Did you see the other stat that this is either the first year or the first time in a very, very long time that the number one seeds have lost the opening game in both the first and the second round? Yeah, I didn't see that, but thinking about it, yeah, it's... uh... It's pretty crazy. Yeah, And then so, I guess, well, if we're talking about picks, obviously we've gone on to the next round of the, the NHL. So just before we go on to the, uh, the sports movies, I guess we can say that your picks are in for this round. Obviously the, the first game was played yesterday uh, between Vegas and Dallas and Dallas won one zero in a, like Vegas are favorite for that series and we're, we're favored for that game. So that was a little bit of a surprise, but I guess once you get to this stage, there's no real surprises anymore. Um, yeah. The the disappointing so should, news is. Should that we drop the, back first, though? Sure. And yeah, say yeah, how, give us, how give, the last round. So I know round you two. Because you, you feel like you redeemed yourself. So go yeah, on. Cr- I love the, cr- the redemption to the draw. Yeah. I love it. It was a decent redemption. So round two, we both went two for two, uh, which was really funny because we all, we both had different picks. Sam and the Squid and, and myself picked differently in every game. Uh, I had the Islanders over the Flyers. They won in a pretty boring game seven. They pretty much dominated. I had Vegas uh, over the Canucks. They won in game seven in a pretty boring game seven as well. And then the one that was the best game of the game sevens was the Avs versus the Stars. And it was just an overall classic game seven hockey where at any point you thought any team could win. And it was crazy. I mean, the Avs scored to go up with three or four minutes left in the third, and you thought that was it. And then the Stars scored literally seven seconds later to, t- to retie it. So it was just one of those games. It was just back and forth, back and forth. And even in overtime, I think they had each hit the post at least once in the overtime before the Stars finally scored. Like, it was just a great, great game. So, I mean, I'm not super happy with going two for two. But I can't be super disappointed because I lost in a game seven in overtime with, you know, one goal and I get that series and I go three for one. And the other series was the Lightning and the Bruins. And Sam had definitely the correct pick of picking the Lightning. I mean, the Bruins just look terrible. Uh, All their star, most of their stars just weren't playing very hard. And, you know, besides um, Marshawn, the rest of the team didn't really do much. So Sam was definitely correct in that pick. Um, How which is a good it? pick. Cause I, I think so. The, I think it was two versus four, but if I remember the odds, for some reason, I think the Bruins might've been favored odds wise in yeah. the series. Yeah. Even though they were the lower seed. The only They're thing actually, I will say is I did, I did pick the six seed over the one seed in the Islanders over the flyers. But even in so that, that series, that, yes, but odds wise that it wasn't 
the betting odds. And this isn't to, to say that it wasn't a good pick on your part, but that was another series where even though one was the six and one was the one, the one seed, I think they were only marginally slightly favored, favored at the yeah, start of the I series. So like it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't so be too of, bad about the abs because I went back because I, I, I knew I was going to catch some heat for only going two for two. So I went back at what the experts had picked and I went to NHL.com and 15 out of 16 of the NHL experts had picked the Avs. And on NBC Sports, five out of five had picked the Avs. So I don't well, feel too terrible in losing no, that Frank, one. And Frank, Sam the Frank. Squid. Yeah, you gotta, it's time to accept there's only one NHL expert at the moment, and that is Sam the Squid. And he lives in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. But uh, so I've got both of your picks. Neither of you know what the other has chosen so far. Unfortunately, I have some disappointing news. Oh, you both chose both the, the same. same teams. I knew so it. you have both taken Vegas and the Lightning. Now, I wanted to then do a tiebreaker. So I asked, I mean, Frank volunteered <laughs> his series predictions. I then asked Sam for his series Are there any sweeps in there? So, no. No one has picked a sweep. So that's probably good news for both of you because probably if you were going to pick a sweep, it would have most likely been Vegas. That being said, so the Lightning series, you have both picked the Lightning to win in seven. Nice. <laughs> the Vegas series, Frank has picked, the Ve- has picked Vegas to win in six, and Sam has picked them to win in five. Ooh, that's going to be tough now. they got to so win four, four straight wins. <laughs> now, because there's a possibility, right, that none of those predictions are right, I wanted another tiebreaker <laughs> to just see. So the other tiebreaker is I asked each of you to pick how many goals would be scored combined between those two series. Which is such a random tiebreaker to ask. It's, uh, well, it's it such just a tough one to gauge. The, yeah, impossible to gauge because, A, you got to predict how many games they're going to be and then who knows what the scores will be. But at least then I felt like I can, we can at least pick a cl- one of you is going to be closer. Like there's going to be indisputable. Now, obviously, you, as it turns out, you could kind of split the difference here based on the two numbers you chose. There is a, oh, God. Yeah. There is a middle number. <laughs> there How is different a, are they? They're pretty different, I will say. So Frank picked, the, Frank finally settled on there being 60 goals. Oh, wow. And oh. Sam, Sam went significantly lower. And went for 42. And that one, no, in a weird way, one if nil. it gets to this point, will help. But I need yeah, to get so, that first. So advantage Sam because of the 1-0, but disadvantage Sam because he now needs Vegas to win the next four games for his serious prediction to be right. So I, I took it as five goals a game, each series going six games. It's kind of what I averaged it out to. I think I averaged... So I did 12 games, average four, and then just went a little bit less because my logic was surely the games will be tighter because you're at a stage in the competition where it's more. That is exactly the thing. That is exactly the thing he texted me. He said, I went for average, but assume he said, so I'm saying there are 12 games. I went for average, but assume it's tighter games at this stage. So dropped it a bit. And what do you know? Game one, one, zero. So Sam the squid nails his prediction. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It's so good. Well, I, I, the other thing too is, so now I'm what, eight for 12 and Sam is seven for 12. So there's still the chance that in the finals, if we pick differently, Sam could come back and tie overall throughout the NHL playoff series. 
Yeah. And just the fact if Sam goes ab- over 50%, um, obviously, no knowledge. With, with no knowledge is kind of crazy. I mean, you would say, right, okay, 50%, just dumb luck, because it's obviously a 50 50 every time. But realistically, it isn't a 50 50 every time because you have heavy favorites. So there are situations where it's kind of like a 70 30 if you don't pick the right way. So yeah. even just going, especially 50/50, in that first round. Yeah, even just going 50-50 is kind of crazy. But if you manage to go over 50, then that's going to be very impressive. I mean, I think, totally, see, unim- I- totally unimpressive because you're just picking them randomly, but also very <laughs> impressive. I seem to have developed a trait for being able to identify uh, kind, of the, kind of the outsiders in a round and it going close or at least winning. Yeah, so I mean, my ironically, thing, right? The, the one thing you could argue is that as you've gained knowledge, your picks have become worse. Because <laughs> you I did wonder so- that. I wondered that with the two teams uh, that I picked here, because I was like, okay, well, we've spoken more and more about this. It's unavoidable, right? I'm, I'm just going to listen to you two talk about it. So I'm going to learn more. So obviously, I've learned Golden Knights are good. But I did say, and Eddie can quote this text the only reason that I went lightning was because the Islanders keep ruining my picks. <laughs> so. Well, what's funny Frank, is I Frank had texted, was suspicious. I had texted yeah. Eddie and said, I wonder if he's going to go Vegas because he knows I'm going Vegas. I know that you know I think Vegas is going to win it all. So in, I, you, had, you were in my head. Oh, no, you're, thinking, you're overthinking it now. I'm a squid. You're overthinking yeah. it. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting outthought by a squid who lives in the sea yeah, as he's got to his... whether he knows my pick, so he's going to go the same, so he can't lose. So does that mean I have to go different, so I have a chance to beat? Like, you are all in my head. Yeah, yeah he, has, it was... he has his tentacles wrapped firmly around your brain. <laughs> this squid is, God only allowed this squid on land for four hours just to mess with your head in the NHL. <laughs> oh, my word, squid facts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's it. Hopefully, they're good series. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter who really wins now, but the goals will become interesting as we go. Yeah, the goals. I mean, if if put it this way, if Sam is right on the goals prediction, it's pretty low. So that would also have been a bold because I'm sure if you looked at the over under of all of these games, there are the, five like five and a half is usually what yeah. It is. So the number that Sam has picked is way under. Like really? if you actually if you did try and set series odds, I'm sure the 42 the 50 minimum would have been the over under I'm guessing. So you're definitely picking the under on the goals. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause it, in my head, for some reason, the only, whenever I see scores like, yeah, there's four nils and five nils that I've seen, but it always seems to be like seven or eight a game or one or two. There seems to be more of those kind of like at the high end or the low end rather than like an average working out. So in my head, I actually found the average a bit harder to work out. I was going to go kind of near a five, but I, I thought four. And I guess just to wrap up our current events, maybe a story that will interest Sam more. Sam, did you see that a uh, Yaya Torre has hit the headlines this weekend? What's he done? So Yaya Torre, uh, for context, I mean, Frank, you'll kind of remember him, ex-Manchester City, ex-Barcelona midfielder. Um, when you first started watching football, he would have been playing for City at the time. Yeah, the name um, definitely sounds familiar. Yeah. And um, once famously got upset, I believe, for not having a birthday cake on his birthday. Wasn't that what he... Didn't that annoy him once? Yep, I think that was it. Yep. Yeah, and uh, 
he is now, he was supposed to be playing in UNICEF's Soccer Aid, which uh, annual charitable match that took place yesterday, which has uh, celebrities play against each other, ex-pros and celebrities play in a, in a match. He was one of the ex-pros that was supposed to be playing, but unfortunately was forced to not take part after he used the group WhatsApp to send a what has been described as a pornographic video of a girl and then joke that he could get... <laughs> He could get prostitutes for all of the players after the match as their reward. A question. Does the money go to UNICEF? <laughs> That's the interesting one. Now, yeah. So. All yeah, yeah, proceeds told, to charity. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great look for to tie UNICEF in with uh, prostitution. But I guess depending on the, the age of the prostitutes, I suppose. But um, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Was this a WhatsApp with the coordinators of the tournament and things or just I think the it was players? A WhatsApp, I think it was a WhatsApp with just the players. But I think it did include some female players and stuff who obviously were probably most offended. Not that it, you, you know, regardless of your gender, you could be offended by that joke. But I think it was particularly offensive, obviously, to the female participants. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, Torre supposedly instantly apologized. I think he realized that he it was probably dumb and then deleted his messages, but it was, it was too late. And, uh, yeah, yeah, pulled out. So to so speak. Just thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why they call him. Yeah. Yeah. The yo-yo he's always, it's just so dumb. It's just he's always dieting. Dumb. <laughs> what, what is it with footballers needing to discuss sexual things? with groups of people or to do sexual things with groups of people like i hey, don't look, understand next it. time i might follow his example next time i'm like invited to a conference and i'm part of like a conference whatsapp or messaging group i might just be like hey guys if this conference goes well could order some prostitutes after just saying it's so, so was the video of the potential prostitutes that they could have or was it just yeah. some random video and was no, it hey you like that then i can get no, us I think, you like that. I think it was i think it was genuinely meant as a joke so i think it was like a random semi-pornographic video and then the his joke, joke was his joke was like hey i could hire something like this for us afterwards i don't think it was actual like link or like an ad for a particular set of prostitutes they could have had who was on who would have been on his team because sometimes the people on it are quite like prestigious or something like that so i imagine like prince william or something like that being in that whatsapp group and just seeing what yaya Torre spout he then sent a private message to him <laughs> yeah but seriously jokes aside i can get them did you see I'm, in um football i'm that, trying to uh, find i'm trying to find who played in the match but I mean, I see that the world defeated England on penalties. So another disappointing penalty shootout for England. But I didn't watch the game. Who scored? Can you see the penalty scorers by chance? Um, good to see the, um, the lineups. Because isn't it like Jose Mourinho is like the manager for one of them usually? Yeah, because he famously like came onto the pitch to tackle someone once, right, as a joke. So here's the, here's the England lineup. See how many of these you recognize. Alfie Allen from Game of Thrones. I think more famous probably for being Lily Allen's brother. But yeah, and, he, and no way. He's definitely way way more famous now for Game of Thrones. Um, I'd say he's still more famous from the song than he is from. Yeah, the, for Lily Allen, basically just 
ruining him. <laughs> and put it this way, he wouldn't be in Game of Thrones if it weren't for the fact that he has a famous dad yes. and he has a famous sister. But I'll, I will say if you put his face up and say, how do you know this person in the States? Most people would say Game of Thrones and most people wouldn't know he's Lillian's sis, uh, sister. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, let's move on. James Bay, singer-songwriter. Yes. Oh, dear. John Bishop, who manages to get himself into every uh, charitable event because when you have huge teeth and you're not funny, the only thing you can do is try and get yourself on TV as much as possible as a comedian. But he's got a hard Scouse accent, so that's what kind of makes him funny, I think. Yeah. But you're right, I don't find him funny in the slightest. Chunks, musician and entertainer. So far, the way I only you know it. one person. The way you said it was in probably no way how it should have been said. Like, well, I mean, how am I supposed to say No, no, it's literally just chunks, spelt C-H-U-N-K-Z. In the way... You say it in a way, though, like you're saying, like, chunks of vomit or something oh. like Next up, Liv Cook, who is a football freestyler. I'm going to guess that's a no from everyone. Tom Davis, comedian and actor. Oh, he's bald-headed guy, isn't he? Joel Domit, Domit comedian yeah. and the masked singer-presenter. Yeah, he's a... Twin. Young Philly, presenter, comedian, and YouTube star. Marvin Humes, JLS singer. DJ and TV presenter. Wow. Danny now, are these Jones. actual celebrities? Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, JLS were pretty big. Known. Yeah, yeah JLS were big in the UK. for a while. Danny Jones, McFly guitarist and the voice kids judge. Uh, Lee Mack, comedian and actor. Uh-huh. Lee Mack, very funny. There's a good comedian. Also a Blackburn Rovers supporter. So. Oh, that's good. Patty McGinnis, comedian, actor, and TV presenter. He's genuinely famous too. Uh, Ollie Murs singer and TV presenter, and I think semi-professional footballer. Joe Wicks, fitness instructor and lockdown PE guru. guru. That's how he's described. <laughs> lockdown PE guru? Uh, he became really famous he became really lockdown. Fam- yeah, he, he was becoming famous anyway, but then the lockdown suddenly skyrocketed. And then Mark, so. Mark Wright... Howie Star, not the footballer, Mark Wright, oh. Howie Star, and TV presenter. Not well, yet. Mark Wright was able to, we need someone called Mark Wright. What about that footballer? Mm, no. Nah. And then the ex-footballers representing England, Gareth Barry. Oh, I thought you were going to say Gareth Bell for a second. <laughs> you <laughs> hey, were close. Well. Uh, 53 caps for England, three goals. Wes Brown, 23 caps, one goal. Amazing. Katie Chapman, 94 gaps, eight goals. Andy Cole, who shockingly wow. only had 15 caps and one goal for England. That's kind of crazy. That's really surprising. Especially when it's then followed by the fact that Joe Cole had 56 caps and 10, goal, 10 goals. So Emil Heskey, 50, 62 <laughs> caps and seven goals. Uh, David James with 53 caps. Michael Owen, 89 caps, 40 goals. And Kelly Smith. 117 caps and 46 goals. Do you want me to even bother reading through the world? Just the footballers okay. of the world, maybe. Let me see if there's any notable celebrities. Not really. There's Jeremy Lynch, the prick from F2 uh, Freestylers. Is, is that his description? <laughs> yeah. There's Jason Manford, <laughs> who sometimes, who for some reason, Jason Manford is playing for the world. <laughs> Well, isn't he Scottish? 
What? Oh, Jason <laughs> Menford's like from Manchester, isn't he? What? That, what, what like American Manchester? <laughs> no, full on. No, I know who it is. I'm just, yeah. just trying to justify got in, it. Got in trouble for sending dick pics. Um, the I rest I really there. don't. Oh, Billy Wingrove, the other prick from the F2 Freestylers. So their celebrities are, I mean, they're professional ex-pros. Michael Essien, so 58 caps for Ghana. Patrice Evra, 81 caps for France. Julie Fleeting, 121 caps for Scotland. And impressively, 116 goals from those 121 caps. So wow. Scotland were obviously playing stiff competition during <laughs> yeah. their time. <laughs> Quite literally yeah. stiff competition. They weren't moving. Yeah. Darren they were really Fletcher. frail. Darren Fletcher, 80 caps for Scotland. Shay Given, 134 caps for the Republic of Ireland. Robbie, Robbie Keane, 146 caps for the Republic of Ireland. Sorry, they've not really, this isn't really world, is it? It's just kind of England versus the other home nations. Well, you had, you had Essien <laughs> and Evra. Evra. But... And now you have, you're about to look foolish because then you have Claude Makaleli, 71 caps for France, I'm... who I famously recently saw in the Eurostar Business Lounge. And then we have, uh, wow. Wow. There's a story everyone wanted to hear. It it sound like it was like famously, like that was the famous moment you meeting him. Yeah. I would, no, no, no. To be clear, I didn't meet him. I saw him. Okay. (laughs) Leanne Sanderson, who was representing the world, but had 50 caps for England. So that, and then, um, Mikel Sylvestre, 40 caps for France. And, Someone who should have appeared, Yaya Torre, with 101 caps for the Ivory Coast. <laughs> Almost made it. Fantastic. He was one porn video away from being on the pitch. One birthday cake and one porn video away. So the, actually, I had one more thing before we jump into the uh, best movies. I kind of wanted what your guys' opinion is on the tour championship that's going on right now. And whether you like the idea of this FedEx points and having handicaps and having the winner, if you think that's a neat idea or if you think it's kind of pointless. So for those who don't know what I'm talking about, you have the FedEx cup, right? Or you get FedEx points throughout part of the golf season. And then yeah, there, it there are events, there are the, events that are part of the FedEx playoffs yeah. and you get points based on your performance in those events. And, and then, then they slowly get the whittled. Championship, right? They slowly get whittled down. So there's, I think, three events where they cut it down. So there's one with, I think, 120. Then the next one, 70 players. And then the tour championship is just 30. So the top 30 in the FedEx uh, Cups rankings. And then they go based off of that. Based off of the rankings, you get basically like a head start with a score, where Dustin yes. Johnson was number one. So he starts off. Minus ten in the championship, and then yeah, the second then person is minus nine, minus eight. eight. No, st- no, number two is minus eight, and then oh, it goes, goes by minus. Two. Then it goes minus seven. It get, kind of gives the leader that little bit of an edge because he has a two-stroke lead when he starts. And okay. just for context, it's it's not finished as we're recording, so there's four holes left. But it looks like Dustin Johnson is going to win. He's three shots ahead with four holes to play, so it looks likely. And I think. Th- this might be wrong, but I think Dustin Johnson, at least since it's been, because I think it existed in a previous format sort of quite a long time ago, but since they've branded it as the FedEx Cup uh, playoffs, 
I think this is the first time that the person leading is going to win the tournament, I believe. What, even with this system in place, or is this a new system? Yeah, the points, the handicap system basically hasn't had a huge impact on who wins. So that, that interests me because I would I would look at it from two ways. I would say, well, you're rewarding the person that plays consistently and well over the course of the year, rather than that kind of like one-off tournament mentality. I guess when it comes to like majors, etc. But then the problem is, if that person is playing so well and consistently well, then aren't they just aren't you just going to have the top ten looking exactly like they were when they started the tournament? You, you basically just the player that goes in as number one finishes number one, number two, number two, because they are playing that well and consistent. Yep. I mean, you would think so, but yes, yeah, seemingly not. I mean, for example, Dustin Johnson has been in this position, has been the leader on several occasions. So this will be the first time that he's actually managed to kind of seal the deal. But I mean, when you think about it, right, you're still playing four rounds of golf. So a two stroke lead, it's not a lot. Like if someone else plays extremely well, or if you just have one round where you're not really at the races, that two-stroke lead is going to be gone, you know, really but that's quickly. A, but that's a two-stroke lead against the next person. Theoretically, yeah, you have a 10-stroke lead. You have a 10-stroke lead against, what, 20 of the other people? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think history would tell you that for the most part, it basically means the winner is going to come from the top six or seven. Because otherwise, you are probably starting too far back. But like um, Rory McElroy won it last year, and I think Rory started on five under compared. So I think he started five or six shots back from whoever was leading. So if you are starting on four or five under, you can still. I mean, when you, even when you think about it, six shots over the course of four rounds of golf. If you play really well, you're gonna you're gonna be able to to close that up. Yeah. For me, for me, I actually agree with the format because it, it's tough with some of these like end of season things or whatever you want to call them with the FedEx that you want players to play a lot consistently to get those FedEx points. And I think you should be rewarded at that with the end of it. And so I actually agree with the format. I like it too. I just think sports, particularly like sports like golf, which, I mean, I like watching, you know, I like professional golf. I watch it, but being a little bit innovative and having kind of slightly different formats from time to time just to mix things up. To me, it's, I wouldn't want them to do this kind of thing with a major. I wouldn't want them to find that suddenly the Masters, like, oh, uh, Dustin Johnson's starting the Masters next year at 24 under par because of his performance. I don't <laughs> want to see that happen. But, but the idea of just having the odd tournament, I mean, look, no one really cares who wins this thing. It's just about who makes a lot of money. It's not yeah. really prestigious. Like, I mean, who won it last year out of interest? Oh, I just told you Rory. But who won it the year before? Can do either of you know? No idea. In the same way, it's like the, uh, what is it, the race to Dubai or the road to Dubai in the European Same idea, tour? yeah. It's the same idea. It's just a moneymaker, nothing more. So if I run I'll through say, the list of... I'll say Justin through, Thompson. Justin Thomas. No, right first name. Damn it was it. Justin Rose. Justin Thomas won it the year before. Rory McIlroy won it the year before that. Jordan Spieth the year before. Billy Horschel. Henrik Stenson, Brent Snedeker, Billy Haas, Jim Furyk, Tiger Woods, Vijay Singh, and Tiger Woods. That's the history of the, since it's sort of reintroduction as a concept. They've been doing that for that long? With yeah, the Tiger Woods. I don't know how long the handicapping system has been in place, but that's the winner of the, that's the FedEx champion. 
I don't okay. know when they introduced exactly the the handicap as as the system, but 2007 is when the FedEx um, championship started. So, shall we get into the best sports movies of all time? Sure. And and I I kind of gave you guys warning about this before we get the debate under. I've got my top five. I've got some lists on the bubble, but I have one question for you guys. Maybe you've thought about it. May our listeners maybe will have an opinion on it too, so they can give us feedback either on Twitter or on Instagram. Let us know what they think. But here's my question for you. I hope it's not the same as mine. Is Gladiator a sports movie? Oh, that would have been a weird See, mine, question. No, mine is actually pretty similar to being the same question. Because obviously but, last week, last week we kind of like briefly tried to describe what a sports movie was, right? And we wanted it to be say sports is, okay. the, is like one of the central themes of what they're doing. Now you'd argue, right, that gladiatorial combat in ancient Rome was a, sport. a, a sport, and the gladiator, like being a gladiator, is a central theme of the movie Gladiator. So does Gladiator get thrown into the sports movie realm? You know what? I'm going to give. It, I, yeah, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it. It's a blood sport. It's an ancient blood sport. Uh, just because just because it doesn't happen now doesn't mean it wasn't a sport. So yeah, so this I'm, is like I'm say, gonna does, allow that. Does this that change changes, people's top five? That oh, actually it changes, changes my top it. five. I, I had one that I was flimsy about and I might change it if I'm putting Gladiator. Oh, if Gladiator goes in, then it has to go number one for me. Oh. Ooh. See, I, I mean, I'm, that has I'm, to be the best sports movie then. I mean, that's an amazing movie. That's one of the, like, that would be in my top 10 best movie list in general, sports or not. So I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep it as a non-sports movie just because I already made my list and I, and I don't want to change it again. But I do like that question. How lazy is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also kind of creates some, a little bit of controversy because it will make us have different ones up there. But I had a similar one for you, Eddie, and, and Sam, I guess. The Wrestler, is that considered a sports movie? Because wrestling is entertainment, not sports. But if you look online, everyone has it in their sports movies. Wait, isn't it called sports entertainment? Isn't that the yeah, idea but it's of entertainment. wrestling? Well, it's but it's sport. entertainment. It's predetermined. Is it really a sport if it's predetermined who's going to win? I don't consider wrestling a sport. That being said, I will consider The Wrestler a sports movie. Just I did not consider like, it a sports movie. Yeah. Now, regardless, I considered it in my, as a sports movie when I was making my list. It wouldn't crack my top five or my top ten. But it's Me a good either. movie, and I would consider it a sports movie. But I, and that's weird to say, right? Because I don't consider WWE wrestling to be a sport. But Yeah. But those are two good ones. Those are two good questions. I like those. All right. So how do we want to do this? Do we each want to start and do like five and then go through? I think we, we just, I think we run Robin it, you know, just go through one each, have a couple of minutes on it, see if we've done it and see if we're laughing at it. And are we starting from start, five or starting from one? Start from five. Or starting from honorable mentions. Do we start okay, with honor, honorable mentions? Okay. We'll start with honorable mentions. Honorable Frank, mentions. you want to get us underway with one of your honorable mentions? Okay. I, I just want one or you want me to throw out a few? Maybe throw out all of your honorable mentions and we'll just get them Perfect. all out of the way quickly. Okay. It's a decent amount, but... Um, okay, so the one that I fought with internally the most that doesn't make my list, but maybe two weeks from now you could ask me and it could be my number one or my number two is Feel the Dreams. I love Feel the Dreams. I think it's a great movie. It's really well done. Kevin Costner, I, I mean, it's, it's a classic. 
it just gets pushed out because when we get to my list, I can describe how I made my list, but it gets kicked out a little bit just because of the logistics of how I put my list together. So that would be really close. Another one would be Miracle. And it's really sad that I, uh, I'll give a spoiler alert. I don't have a hockey one in my top five. And that would be the hockey one that would make my top five would be Miracle. It's, it's a great sports movie because it's the classic story, you know, of a super underdog beating, you know, the, the giants of the sport and things like that. Um, that was a tough one to leave out. The other one that was really, really tough for me to leave out was Remember the Titans, just because that when we talk about nostalgia, that was one of the movies. So when I played football in high school, I used to watch three movies every night or like two nights leading up to a, a game. And it was, this was one of them, Remember the Titans. And the other one was the program. And the other one is in my top five. So I'll save that one. But it was, I've watched Remember the Titans so many times. Um, but those were the ones that I struggled with not being in my top five. Some of the other ones that I think are just good. Uh, Free Solo. I don't know if you guys have saw the documentary Free Solo. Well, this is an issue for me. I, I'll say this now. I did, yeah, Solo. documentaries yeah. I didn't throw in. Because if, okay. if I thought of it as documentaries, I probably would have put five documentaries. So Yeah, I uh, agreed. That's kind of why I didn't put it in either. But that to me is, is a crazy, crazy documentary. Um, Tin Cup I didn't put in. I love Tin Cup. Uh, that's always a good one. Major League I didn't put in. How many honorable uh, mentions are you going for here, Frank? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more. I'll just give you one more that I struggled with was not putting any of the Mighty Ducks in there. And part of the reason is Mighty Ducks 1 is probably the better movie, but Mighty Ducks 2 is the more enjoyable movie. So I decided not to put any of them in there. And that that is a debate. Like when we get together playing hockey and stuff like that, that comes up all the time is what's the order of the Mighty Ducks movies out of the, the three main I ones? I just love the idea of a bunch of men in their late 20s and 30s. And like every week they're like, so guys, if you're ordered to the Mighty Ducks, has it changed? Did you rewatch them? Do you, what is it? Is it two first now? Or is it one, is one still clinging on? I would say in, so I've been playing here in Tucson for probably two years now. It's come up three or four times the debate because it's it's a big debate because two is the better move two is the more enjoyable movie but it's so freaking unrealistic that it takes away from the movie with how unrealistic of, of like a scenario happens versus mighty ducks one is legitimate they're just a peewee hockey team so it could happen when you say it comes up three or four times is it with different people or do you have the kind of same conversation no it's usually like so so and so thinks you know like i just asked so and so what he thinks it's like this this and this and then you know then we'll start arguing again and things like that no it's not like the same three people meet meet at the bar after the game are like all right guys it's been six months now what do you think did i sway you in that six months (laughs) yeah i mean for context too right frank also loves I mean, this is, we've already explained this, right? And I don't think I told the story, right? Did I tell the story about how you, how Tim once convinced those girls that you were like a special needs? Person? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, go not, this is where the uh, top five comes from. So the origin, I mean, Frank was already into the top fives, but the top fives were cemented as like a Frank thing. 
because for a few weeks we'd kind of had he'd been bringing up top fives for us just to debate in the in the bar and one day he and tim a mutual friend of ours who we've mentioned before on the podcast they came into the bar and started talking to this group of girls who were there and frank like went to the bathroom and while he was there Tim said, they asked Tim what he did, and he said he worked at a hospital that took care of sort of mentally handicapped people, of which Frank was one of them, and that this was like Frank's weekend out, so he had to stay with Frank the whole time to make sure he didn't get into trouble and took care of him, and uh, and the girls were like, oh so my god, dude, that's, that's so nice of you, You're, that's so amazing. And then he said, yeah, and one of those things, you know, is that he's, he struggles to communicate with people all the time. So sometimes when he doesn't know what to say, he just asks people what their top five is. And literally, you couldn't and, have made it up. Frank came back no. from the bathroom. <laughs> Go on for it, Frank. So I was going to say, for context, I had no idea Tim had said this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Frank, I'll, give two, I'll give two caveats. I was pretty drunk. And it's a very loud bar and I'm a very loud person. So it's very easy for me in that instance to kind of be like loud and obnoxious. Okay. There's your caveat. And then that's, all, and that's gonna... all I'll say. And he walks back from the bathroom and literally within 60 seconds loudly yelled. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like, Hey guys, what are your top five? Like blah, blah, blah. And they instantly, you could tell that like hook, line and sinker, they had fallen for this now. And then for the rest of the evening, this like quite drunk Frank continued to just yell loudly at them. And top fives. Oh, for like three hours, they they left still believing that that Tim was his caretaker. They still think it probably. Oh, sure. They were probably like, remember that time we met that really sweet guy in Paris who was taking care of that handicapped man? I guess the funny the funny irony of that is. It was definitely the reverse in that situation that I often had to end up caring for Tim by the end of the night. The better part too is it's Tim did that to you twice, right? Because there was the other time where you were hitting on a girl and uh, <laughs> while, you, while you're in the bathroom, Tim told them that you were gay. And, and at the end, at the end of the evening, she said, said goodbye to you and was like, ah, oh, it's such a shame you're gay because I, I think you're really nice and I'm into you. And Frank was like, well, what are you talking about? And she was like, your friend told me that you were gay. Yeah, he is the anti-wingman, literally the most anti-wingman you could get. Uh, yeah, he was he was good for that. So yeah, that's that the origin, origin of our top fives and definitely the origin of the top five movie discussion. So I do, that's and right. I do love top fives and I have been doing stuff like that for a while. So it, I would say it originates when we went to Penn State, you would ride either the, the blue loop or the white loop, which are the two main buses that went around like the nightlife of Penn State and it'd be super crowded and super packed and everyone just be, you know, looking to have a good time. So me and my buddy Chris and Dan and stuff would hop on and we would just start rattling off like this or that to people and start like engaging people. And by the end, it was just fun because you'd have drunk people just screaming out random answers and arguing with people over the stupid stuff. You know, like we'd go to girls and, you know, be like, oh, Ryan Gosling or Chris Hemsworth, you know, and then they would say one, we'd be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. So things like that. And I think that just started transitioning into instead of just one or the other a top three and then a top five and now this is where we are today five's the sweet spot mm. five is a sweet spot because it, it five is enough where it's still frustrating to to 
like leave one out. Do you know what I mean? If we did 10, you can be confident in your 10, but five, you know, it, it creates some controversy still, I think. Well, with that in mind, I guess I'll tell you the ones that I struggled to squeeze into my top five. Okay. So honorable mentions for me, The Natural, which is a really good movie. The downside is Robert Redford must be like 55 when he made that movie. <laughs> and he starts off playing like a teenager. <laughs> and it is, yeah. it kind of pulls you out of it when you're trying. You're like, and I think when I watch it throughout it, I'm trying to figure out constantly like what age Robert Redford is supposed to be in the movie. <laughs> and then I'm going to give, I, I have a hockey honorable mention, which is Goon, which I think is like one of the better sports comedies. Very underrated sports movie. I'm giving White Men Can't Jump an honorable mention. Moneyball, I'm going to throw in there, which definitely goes in the category of the book is better than the movie. But in terms of adapting (laughs) a book that seems totally unsuitable for a movie, I'm going to give give them credit for that. And my one other honorable mention which maybe is going to crack someone's top five probably frank's if it's in anyone's is dodgeball <laughs> not my top five but a good honorable mention yeah Got your honorable mentions ready sam <laughs> yeah what what i liked or what i hated about this was going through kind of uh websites and stuff like that to see if i'd forgotten any or anything like that i realized how many american sports or almost to an extent the lack of like european focus sports there are as uh, films because so wait did uh, bend it like beckham not make your top five <laughs> bend it like beckham weirdly enough is probably the best soccer film i mean well, here's unless the, you're gonna like mean machine what like mean machine well i'm just um, gonna, gonna disagree with you there sam because i have a football slash soccer film in my top five. Oh, i wonder if it's because i only know one i wait. only know one I I'll won't say. For, I'll is wait it, for my top five. No, 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 Sam. Don't guess it. it. No, no, okay. no. Okay. But I'm okay. just telling you, so, I have a football movie in my top five. Okay. So I've got, I had three honorable mentions. So I had Karate Kid. That's a good I, one. It, it's, it's good. It's just, it's just like a really traditional, like mid eighties, late eighties story as well. You know, guy gets picked on, random guy comes and helps him, trains him in some montage style way and then he goes on to do like really good things with his life um and the other two are actually quite recent uh i tonya is really good the figure skating that's a great movie it's a really really good movie and also it's pretty it's it's pretty well done because i think most people know about that story about the kind of tonya harding you know obviously not setting everything up but obviously her boyfriend or husband doing it um but it's it's good Spoiler to just see alert. it played out yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that apparently a couple of years ago she came out and actually said that she was aware of the discussions prior to it happening. Oh, so you're ruining the movie. I Come know on. it's insane, right? <laughs> and the, the other stories, one, the story's only like 30 years old. People might not have heard of it yet. So I feel like this one might be in Frank's top five, but just because um, is Foxcatcher. Uh, because not again, my top five. It's a really emotional program about a sport, you know, kind of uh, kind of Olympic wrestling that I know nothing about, but it's really good seeing like, uh, what is it, Channing Tatum, uh, Steve Carell, and uh, I can't remember the third actor. Sam, we, we know your taste. We know your taste, Sam. You could have just left that as, it's really good seeing Channing Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does Magic Mike count as a uh, sports movie? <laughs> I, I went with the other Channing Tatum sports movie. She's the man with Amanda Bynes. That's in my top five. 
So that was my three honorable mentions. So why don't you give us your number five then? I'm actually, can I just say, because I'm going to, Gladiator is now going to, now that we've accepted it as a sports movie, Gladiator is now going into my top five. So I'm going to have to bump one of my top five out and push it into the honorable mention category. Okay. And I'm, I'm caveat that, was, that, Eddie. Karate Kid was in my top five as five, and I've had to put Gladiator in now. So my number five, and Gladiator is probably not going to be my number five, so it's going to be a shift in my order that I'm going to work out now. But uh, Jerry Maguire was number five for me, and it has now been oh. bumped into the honorable mentions. Okay. Wow. Good Jerry mention. Maguire is not my now, top five, a, but I really thought about it. Here's a question. It really is. Is Jerry Maguire actually a sports movie? Because <laughs> it's basically just a rom-com. It's a rom-com sports about a sports agent. agent. Yeah. Sports yeah, agent. <laughs> There's very few sports-related scenes really in the movie. like Except the biggest a, scene. Yeah, but it is very much like the background to a romance. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep Gladiator out just because I'm going to say not a sports movie. Okay. So I'll do my five. So when I put together my top five, I felt I needed to have one of them at least be a comedy and one of them be more of like a, um, not kids movie, but more of like a wholesome family movie. I thought those had to be in a top five, at least in one spot. So my number five is my comedy. And I cheated a little bit and tied because I couldn't pick between Happy Gilmore and Kingpin would be my number five A and five B. I, mean, I literally not, couldn't no, choose. I'm, I'm not standing for that. We're not creating and a top which, five. Which one is... <sighs> Which you're creating, a t- you're creating a top all right, six all right, here. All right, I'll go. I'll go. Happy Gilmore as as five then, and and bump King. But Kingpin is so funny. It is I'm such just a say, funny movie. I'm just gonna say then we're gonna be in agreement because Happy Gilmore is my fifth. I'm just gonna be yeah. in agreement here that Happy Gilmore is my fifth as well. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's awesome. It, it was That's actually, so good. I, yeah, no, it's my fifth. I mean, I, ha- I have to put a comedy in there, and that's, I think, the best sports comedy. Uh, Kingpin is very close, but if I, if I had to choose one to watch for the rest of my life, it would probably be Happy Gilmore over Kingpin. I truly my can't argument, believe that's just happened. Though. My argument would be, I don't know whether I necessarily call and I know we tried to argue like best versus um, personal meaning, right? Yeah. But to me, I'm going to give it the best edge because I don't know in terms of comparing like Caddyshack to Happy Gilmore or whatever, but <laughs> I'm going to at least give Happy Gilmore credit for being the start of that kind of new generation of sports comedies. So probably without the success of Happy Gilmore, you don't get Dodgeball. I know that there was a like, yeah. significant gap. Yeah. But it the, kind of still brought The Water Boy. Idea. Yeah. Uh, Blades of Glory. Talladega exactly. Nights. Talladega Will, Nights. Yeah. You're basically meaning... Will Ferrell's entire career goes out the window yeah. without the success of Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so good. Like there's so many quotes from that movie. And, know, and also I just think the reason why you kind of have to put it in the top five, because I think no one has ever picked up a golf club and not attempted the Happy Gilmore swing. And so just for that impact, like it's going to be no other sports movie that we name in the top five probably had a real world impact in that way like it's not going to change someone and obviously it's not changing someone's technique like dustin johnson isn't going to adopt the happy gilmore swing but i can promise you that every (laughs) single professional golfer playing now has at least tried it 
and I yeah, tried. There was a there was a video we talked to, we talked a few episodes about how the the European golf tour does all these cool videos with with some of the players, and one of them was them all trying to do the Happy Deal more and see who could hit it to furthest. So I mean, you're right. It's it's iconic. Everyone knows the Happy Gilmore swing, and even some of the quotes, like "just tap it in, just tap it in." Everyone says that to someone on the golf course. Or when you he know, starts beating the shit out of the crocodile, kind of thing. It's, <laughs> it's just fantastic moments. I'd, actually, I'll tell you what: yeah. we can bleed into my fourth because my fourth is Caddyshack. Um, wow! For me, with Caddyshack, it is just I, I'm a big fan of the kind of airplane style comedy. And I just feel that that's exactly what it does. So it does the kind of like one-liners, the play on words. There's, there's a pretty bad amount of racism in it actually, which for some reason is allowed to stand. But for me, it's just 1980s funny, but it has just continued to age really well though. Like the jokes in it are still really funny. It's also like well acted as well with um, like Dangerfield in and uh, Bill Murray. Um, Jimmy Chase. Yeah, it's, it's well acted. It's a good film. Don't get me wrong. Like some of the effects on like the gophers and that and isn't age well. Yeah, but it's pretty basic. It's, it's pretty, pretty basic. basic. But fundamentally, like it's told really well. It's still lasts to this day. And I think it was like 1980. So it's about 40 years old. And, you know, it's, it's a good still movie. Um, I'm not going to argue with you that it's not a good movie. But I'm, I wouldn't put it in my top five. I did worry about having two golf movies in my top five, but honestly, the more I looked at both of them, it was less to do with the golf aspect. And it was the fact that I just genuinely sure, sure. think they're well, incredible films. Sure. Number three for Sam is going to be Bagger Vance. <laughs> Give me a the second. Let me, just, let, me, let me just change that. <laughs> so, uh, right, what's, Frank. what's your, what's your, what's your four, Frank? So my four is Sandlot. And I had, like I said, I really had to have one of those family wholesome movies. And I mean, it easily could be one or two in a lot of people's lists. It's, it is the iconic, like young adult sports movie. And this was, you know, close to like Karate Kid is kind of up in that same thing. Uh, but it's just, it's just so good. It, it's such a good remembrance of what being a kid was like we're just going to your friend's house and picking up whatever you guys are playing for that day and just going in the backyard and playing for hours and hours like I used to go to my friend's house and we would go in his backyard and we'd have a football and just throw for three hours and see who would have like the most drops or something like that it's Frank, it's just so iconic Frank I don't remember yeah. the scene in Sandlot where they just blow on each other's thumbs <laughs> Well, it was a deleted scene. You have to get the extended DVD. Oh, okay. Was that the Yaya yeah. Torre uh, video he was sending around? Was it one of the yeah. one of the Sandlot <laughs> deleted scenes? The commas thumb. But I, you know, it's 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 a really well done movie. It's not overly corny for a kids movie. You know, as an adult, I'll if it's on, I'll still watch it. It's just really well done for a sports movie. I, I really like that movie. That's fair enough. It, again, not in my top five, but I'm not going to argue with you that it's like a horrible movie. What about you? Ed? I'm going to sneak in my number four um, is the football slash soccer movie that I was referring to. Okay. So my number four is The Damned United. Ah, okay. Never Which, heard of it. Well, now you've got some viewing to do. So I'd argue it's the really maybe the only genuinely good football movie I've ever watched. Um, you haven't seen Mean Machine, then, Eddie. <laughs> mean Machine. Yeah, I mean, it's not. 
it's not I don't think it's that good what's the other one as well because I always get confused one of them's got Danny Dyer and one of them's got Vinnie Jones yeah you're thinking of uh green um they remade it in with the American version what's uh, where he becomes a mean green machine oh you're talking about green street hooligans yeah green street hooligans yeah with with the little guy the awful American yeah Frodo American version is so stupid yeah the American that's the only one I know that's the only soccer movie I could tell you. Well, like you legitimate, least, not kids movie. You at least need to rewatch. You need to rewatch. You need, at least need to watch the original English version. Which, I think I've seen the original English version. Oh, okay. it was called uh, Football Factory. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, probably ranking it, I will say maybe a little high by putting in the top five. But part of the argument was trying to get a football movie in the top five. So that that would be the only fault I would give it is that really if you were forcing me to really argue for it, maybe. But it is a genuinely very good movie. Frank, have you seen Bend It Like Beckham? I think a really long time ago. That's, that's fantastic. I'm surprised that Eddie hasn't got it. <sighs> How do you know I don't have it? I mean... That's true. Three to go. Three to go. I got three more. Go on then, Frank. Enlighten us with top three or third. My number three favorite sports or best sports movie of all time, League of Their Own. I think it's just oh, God. one one. It's it's pretty ahead of its time for the fact that it's talking about an all female baseball team. It came out in what either the late eighties or early nineties. Um, I'd say the maybe like ninety two. I'd say early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like ninety two somewhere on there. Tom Hanks is phenomenal in it. It has a lot of quotes that are like, I mean, there's no crying in baseball is one of the more popular sports movie quotes of all time. It's a good, it's got that traditional good story of like the two people against each other. The one person who is, you know, always the, the less, the lesser of the two sisters trying to, to beat her older, better, bigger sister, things like that. I, I've watched it so many times. It never gets old. The only disappointing part about that movie that questioned me putting it in the top five is the ending. The fact that she, spoiler alert, purposely drops the ball to let her sister win speaks so uh. poorly as to like how competitive that league must have been. Like, I, I get that it's not a true story, but you, you know, like, I don't know any athlete in the game that would purposely let another person win no matter who they were or what they felt about them. So that That, always pisses me off that she completely lets down her entire team just to make her sister happy just really pisses me off. But besides that, it's a really, really good movie and it's really well done. And it's, it's like funny and serious. The baseball aspect of it actually isn't that bad. Like the baseball scenes are pretty well done. So that's that's my number three. I'm going to agree with you. The ending spoils the movie. And also, I think it's just a bad look for a, arguably the most famous women's sports movie. I mean, maybe Million Dollar Baby is a, is a more famous one. But still, like, and this isn't a knock on women's sports, but the fact that it's unfortunate that the, like, one of the more prominent women's sports movie has this sort of sentimental ending that just seems to take the concept of sports right out of it. 
where it should be teaching people of like win or lose, you know, you, you, you play hard. And if you win, that's great. If you lose, you pick yourself up and you go at it again. And instead it's like, well, if you're going to lose and let's just hope that you have a sibling on the other team who throws the game and helps you, helps you win. Yeah. And I mean, the argument could be, we don't know for sure whether she drops it, but come on, Dottie never drops it. She, she did it on purpose. But also the cast is pretty crazy. I mean, how, what other movie are, are you ever going to hear a cast of Tom Hanks, Madonna, and Rosie O'Donnell? And that's just crazy in itself. And they all did really well in their spot. You know, they were really well cast for that movie. So... I'm not sure if I'd describe that cast list as crazy. <laughs> I would say you're correct in that. We'll never well, how see many that movies has Well, how many movies has Madonna been in? Well, she was in Evita. Um, apart from that, I'm sure she was in others. I just don't know Madonna's career history that well, but right off the top of my head, Evita for sure. Oh, S- Sam does. Let's ask Sam. Could you, could you technically say she was in Austin Powers for a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, I do argue. Could you argue that a league of the a league of their own is the worst movie that Madonna has ever been in? <laughs> if she's only been in that, Navita. All right, Eddie, who's up? Um, so my number th- we're three. Yeah, my number three is Field of Dreams. Great movie. Which, if we're going by Frank's argument of iconic quotes sort of increasing the quality of the movie, then you'd have to say that Field of Dreams has one of the most iconic lines of any movie ever. Like I think a lot of people know, even if I think it's technically misquoted almost every time, right? But because um, I think it's always said, if you build it, he will come. I think that's the only thing it ever says in the movie. And everyone almost says, if you build it, they will come. But that being said, um, you know, that's one of those quotes that lots of people who've never even seen Field of Dreams are familiar with the movie quote. Um, and I also just think anyone who watches it, and I'm not going to tie it particularly to being a son with your dad, but I think any like father, son, mother, daughter relationship, mother, you know, father, uh, mother, son, whatever, if you played sports growing up with one of your parents, and then you watch that movie. I think it's impossible not to have an emotional reaction to, to the plot. You sound like you're tearing up right now, just talking about it. Are you okay? It's tough, you know. Um, my dad was a was an aspiring baseball player for a little bit of time, and unfortunately, he uh, he died before he was able to meet my children. And and uh, so that movie just really speaks to me. I'm just hoping one day I've got enough enough money to go and buy a buy a cornfield in iowa or wherever they are and and build a baseball baseball diamond and hope that he hope that he reappears out of the corn husks so yeah it's wow i I love i love that movie i I think it's great the only thing i have with that final scene is they play the game and then the team leaves and the father stays behind and then kevin costner and the father are playing catch right so the game's over. Everyone's left. It's like 1130 at night or something like that. They then zoom out and it shows like cars upon cars upon cars coming down the one lane road to get to the stadium. But what are they coming for? Are they going to just sit there at 11 o'clock at night and watch Kevin Costner play catch with his father? Like, I don't get why they're coming. Why can't they just wait to when the next game is? Like, what are they going to do? Just sit in their cars all night? 
<laughs> no, I don't think there's any implication, right, that there's going to be the ghosts are going to reappear to play baseball. I think the idea then is that it's become this kind of mecca for baseball. And so people are traveling there to experience just the the impact of the location. That's how I've always interpreted it. I don't, I never I've always it interpreted it as, as, well, no, because then the, the one guy who couldn't see the whole time at the end, the brother-in-law, he then can see the players. And he's like, oh my God, this is great. We're going to make millions. Don't sell the land because you're going to make a ton of money watching these ghosts play baseball. That's pretty much what he says at the very end. And the when whole you, thing. And I then, just got to say, I just got to say, when you sum the movie up like that, it sounds fucking awful. Yeah, I, it's, right? I haven't I haven't seen it myself, and it doesn't. I'm sound taking like it out of my top five. Realism. I'm taking it out of my <laughs> like top five. Grounded. There's no grounding in realism here. The idea that the brother-in-law is like, you're gonna make millions watching these ghosts play baseball. What's <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing? Oh God, I regret I regret my selection. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good Frank movie. Some right synopsis though for people. Yeah, we'll have to do we'll have to do Frank's summaries, his two two sentence summaries of, of of movies. Oh, I can do that one pretty easily. Child chokes on hot dog and saved by ghost doctor. Brother-in-law sees ghost doctor and sells says don't sell land. Okay, I okay, I want this to be a regular section now for the next couple of weeks at least. All right. What's your number 3? Rocky 4 it's wow it, rocky yeah four. it's usually not people's best i guess this is kind of for me the thing with rocky four was that i think it was one of the most hard-hitting like straight out apollo creed dies like he gets killed by um drago and then just, <laughs> Man, sam you don't care about any spoilers huh you're just going <laughs> full into full into your movies yeah, we're going straight into it i think most people would have seen rocky four by now i don't think anyone's fuming i don't think we have a single listener where they're on three at the moment and they're now fuming at what i'm saying so i just think you know that's heavy hitting you know the fact that he didn't throw in a towel but also just it's this mental cold war setting where he feels the need to like go to the Soviet Union to like beat this kind of like big, massive Russian guy. And also it has one of the most iconic like 10 minute montages of those two training to Hearts on Fire. And it is literally, I think it's like eight or nine minutes long and it's crazy. But I, I, I do think that is a really, really good film. I would put it as my best Rocky. And I, I do think it's brilliant. I can't take that movie seriously after having watched um, the like mockument, like fake documentary about Rocky ending the Cold War. Anyone, anyone wants to do it, like just go on YouTube and search like Rocky ends Cold War, and they basically did this like fake thirty for thirty where that's actually happened, and they they like credit Rocky with basically being the the person who ended the Cold War. And as what if it, I told you yeah. the Cold War was ended? by a, a boxer from Philadelphia. <laughs> and they, they're like three sticking points when they're analyzing that movie that really stuck to me is they like, they, uh, when, they, when Rocky's going into the fight, like one of the boxing analysts is like, uh, Rocky learned from um, Apollo Creed's mistake and decided not to do a 25 minute dance number before his fight started. And then, and then, uh, and then the other thing is like the the boxing, the fight, 
uh, choreography is so bad at times. Like one of the guys is like, sometimes a 95% of their power punches landed. And sometimes the punches they threw were so hard that even when they didn't connect, the air forced the other person backwards and they show clips. So, I mean, they're missing by a foot in some of them. And then, uh, then they rip into Rocky's just bumbling, mumbling speech at the end. And they're like, somehow this like totally incoherent speech had an impact on the Russian people. They also do this other thing, which is a good point. Explain to me why the people, the, the Russians, switch from supporting Ivan Drago to supporting Rocky. If you can explain that to me, I will give you allow you to keep Rocky Four as a top five movie. But give me one good reason why they stop supporting the Russian guy and switch to the American. I don't understand how you're like this movie was for the Americans. Like it was for the American Western market. That's why. I I I think the concept is supposed to be that they're so appreciative of how much of like an underdog and how he won't give up, right? He just keeps popping up and keeps going another round and, and keeps fighting and fighting and not giving up, even though he's getting pummeled. Isn't that the reason I guess that he then becomes like the underdog? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, so I don't so go and watch a sporting, argue, I don't go watch a sporting event thing. and just switch midway through because I'm like, this guy's pretty plucky. I got to give him credit. So you know what? <laughs> Fuck the guy I wanted to win. I'm, I'm not only not going to be like, it's one thing to think like, you know what? I'm pretty impressed by his effort. If he wins, he deserves it. It's going to the stage where they are in the actual crowd going Rocky, Rocky, that <laughs> they full on switch allegiances. My reasoning for not putting any of the Rockies in the top five, I'm not the, I think we talked about this in another podcast. I'm not the biggest Rocky fan. Part of it is I'm not a huge Sylvester Stallone fan, but the other thing is the amount of punches like you alluded to and how hard these punches are that they're taking round by round would have killed any other human in the planet like well, four yeah, times I mean, over. But Frank, and, that's, and, how, and that's how, how Apollo Creed died. Yeah, that's why Apollo yeah. Creed died. I love how brutal it is. Like no one defends in Rocky. It is just a a brawl. It is just at one moment. At one moment, their corners come into the ring. At what he Ivan Drago picks up his corner man by the throat. Which, (laughs) if you think about it, he does that with a boxing glove on. on. Impossible. Impossible. That's how strong he is. Yeah. Anyway, Um, Frank, numero. No, number two. So I'm starting to think that we might have some of one and two similar. So my number two is Hoosiers. And I, oh, that's definitely probably, not then. Maybe Eddie. But to me, Hoosiers is when you think of the underdog sports movie, that is the underdog sports movie where they're this crappy little town in Indiana trying to even put together a basketball team. Like they barely have enough players to even put on the court. And then you have the really tough down on his luck coach that comes in and picks up the team and takes them in, puts them together into a cohesive unit. And that's what wins them the game that it's not one person, it's the team, you know, and then it's, you know, they go to the state championship and he has that cool scene where he pulls out the, the measuring tape and he measures the height of the rim and says, you know, it's the same as our court back in 
wherever in Indiana, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just, it's a great movie. It's very well done. Uh, the acting is great. I mean, he's Hackman is great as the coach. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a classic story. I, I, you know, I, I got to agree with you, you know, as a, as a young kid looking for inspiration in my athletic career, what I really needed was a story that told me that a group of white kids, group of underdog white kids could overcome the, uh, overcome the black team. That's what I really needed. I wanted to show that, you know what, white people, they're good at, they're, they don't have the nat- natural athletic ability to compete with these, with this black team, but they'll get the fundamentals down, good teamwork, and they'll just do all the little things right, and they'll be able to overcome those show-off black inner-city kids. And that's what the world needs is more Hollywood movies just like that. Yeah. And boy, can Jimmy shoot that basketball. <laughs> And, you know, great, probably, probably great at bounce passes, you know, like uh, can probably take a charge like a pro great clutch free throw shooter. Yeah. That's the only part of the movie that didn't do it any justice was why did the team they have to play be like an all black, super athletic team? I mean, even back then they had to have realized that that's a little controversial. You know, I don't think there was even one white kid on the entire team that they play in the championship. They, they could have no, done a also, little better I think there. When you do, it's another one of those things too, when you do the analysis of like the sports logic of how they overcome the, like if the other team had just been like relatively sensible in their play, they would have won easily. It's another one that's like relied on the opposition kind of being idiotic. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure uh, Jimmy, the best shooter ends up getting hot in the second half and they come back. Whereas had they just, double teamed him the entire game they probably would have easily won so yeah i'm not in my top five frank um <laughs> be honest frank i think you've my my second actually is the true underdog story it's uh dodgeball sounded exactly like frank it sounded like yeah, literally frank said almost word for word what happens in dodgeball <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need to explain it that much but I mean for me it, it just it it's similar to like Happy Gilmore uh, there are so many memorable lines it, it's almost like on par with Anchorman in terms of like my humor what I quote what I've done before but I know that's me saying favorite rather than best but I do think in terms of like what it did moving on from Happy Gilmore as well. I do think that it completely opened up a genre of like sports comedies, basically, that has then come on. But also, it is just really well acted by like Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller. I I just think the whole thing is put together and makes a lot of sense. And it just genuinely is very funny throughout. Yeah, I mean, as I said, Dodgeball was on the bubble for me. And I would agree, it's probably the best of the, the, post 2000 sports movies of which there were a ton because of like Will Ferrell's career. Um, so I, I would, I would say it's the best in class of that group. Uh, not good enough for me. I couldn't squeeze in that many comedies into my top five, but mm. yeah, good selection. I will also say, and I don't mean this in like a bad way, but uh, a lot of Vince Vaughn's movies probably speak to me from my own life trajectory that I've been on at different times. So like normally the Vin, like Vince Vaughn like, like movie role is uh, kind of reminds me of certain aspects of my life, but it's a good movie. Wait, wait are, are, wait, are, wait, are you wait, saying wait, 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 that... Wait, wait. 
Vince Vaughn reminds... Was Vince Vaughn, yeah, was Vince Vaughn in True Detective in any way your life trajectory? <laughs> yeah, I, you didn't hear about that time when I was a, like a struggling gangster, like past his prime gangster in L.A.? No, seemingly not. <laughs> Sorry, I had to ask. Sorry, I had to ask. The is, thing it you don't also the, is... is it also the Vince Vaughn remind you, the one where he finds out he's fathered like 400 children through his sperm? I, I donated <laughs> a lot of sperm at one time. <laughs> The thing for me, though, is a lot of these films simply put, I haven't seen. Like a lot of the American ones that you're talking about, I haven't seen a lot of them. So I guess my knowledge was somewhat limited in that respect. But Well, I'm going to squeeze in then my number two, which is definitely a movie that everyone here has seen and we've already discussed briefly. And my second, my number two in the top five sports movies of all time is Gladiator, which I will argue based on the rules qualifies as a sports movie, as gladiatorial combat was clearly a sporting event in its time and it is the a central theme to the movie so you know i would agree with frank like one of the one of the greatest modern movies i would say i'll I'll qualify it that way but so has to be in my top five sports movies see now what disappoints me is how it's not your number one it's my number one it's my number one yeah, what movie can you possibly have that's better than Gladiator? Oh, I wanted a slight hot take, right? So I am going to put. You want my number? <laughs> you want my number one now? So controversial. Well, we've all we've all done. I, I, I mean, God, Gladiator is so good to not be your number one. Well, we'll get to discuss that again because obviously Sam's already told us that it's going to be his number one. So mm-hmm. I'll just start off the number one trend. Okay. And I will say that my number one is one of only three i mean gladiator if we're throwing gladiator in there are four sports movies that have won best picture oscars you want to try and guess them or should i just give them to you best picture so your number one is rocky no oh um chariots of fire chariots of fire is my number one so I'm going to give it a iconic music again, probably music that people associate with like the slow-mo yeah. running without mm-hmm. ever having seen chariots of fire. Now people still like that come, they associate that with like a slow-mo scene. So it has that aspect going for it, but just, it gets a little bit of credit for me for the, like based on the true story aspect. I always like that. Um, and like telling a story that's maybe lesser known. So I think that's neat. And also I just think, that you know it's arguably one of the best sports movie movies if you see what i mean that it's not just within the category a good movie it is just an overall good movie and so deserves to be certainly deserves to be in my top five and i had to put it at number one so i've only watched it i've only seen it once and i liked it but i I mean only seeing movie once it's tough to put into my top five i did write down here yeah, I did write down greatest song ever in sports movie. <laughs> so I agree with you. It has that super iconic track. You say it's old, Sam, but actually in kind of doing the research for the movie, the thing that surprised me was that it actually came out, well, one best picture at the 1981 Oscars. And in my mind, it's a movie that I would definitely would have put probably 70s to even early 70s. So said like 74. For some reason in my head, I had like 74. Because Rocky then, when I looked through the list of kind of, I wanted to make sure I wasn't uh, missing out on a best picture winner of a sports movie. Rocky was the first, I guess you'd argue, um, sports movie to have won a best picture Oscar. 
and that was in 76. And then you have Million Dollar Baby in, well, Chariots of Fire 81, Million Dollar Baby 04. And then I guess if we're including Gladiator in there, Gladiator in 01. So. Gladiator. I <laughs> imagine being like a journalist or like a movie reviewer going up to Ridley Scott and going like, how does it feel to have won best picture for your sports movie? <laughs> like Ridley Scott would be like, the, the opening is the battle of Teutonberg where like Germans and Romans battle against each other. This, this isn't a sports movie. It'd be like, well, you know, gladiator, blood sport. I can imagine he'd look at you a bit simply. Do you, do you mean alien? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, yeah, you can, you can put it as a sports movie. It's just, it's, it's not a traditional sports movie, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, Actually, it I is. Said, it, isn't it a traditional? Because it's, it's as traditional a, as you get, Frank. It's, it's the most traditional sports movie you'll come It from. is. I love that movie so much. And I love how it's so long. And when it's on TV, I'll have to watch it. And it'll just take up half my day. Because with commercials, it ends up being almost a four and a half hour movie. So you're, you're dedicating. If it's on at seven, you're not going to, you're not finishing that movie until 1130 almost. Yeah, Frank, you have to just watch it. Do you know the thing I like most in sports movies is when you go home and see your um, mother and son impaled on crosses burning. That's, that's some of my best parts of sports movies. I think they should introduce yeah. that now. Like if you lose, lose the World Cup final. I mean, I know Colombia kind of got onto that during the 94 World Cup, but maybe we should spread that to other teams. You know, Maybe Neymar wouldn't roll around so much if he thought, hey, if I don't win this Champions League final, my mother is going to be killed. <laughs> Literally crucified. Yeah. And burned. Exactly. You think David Beckham got a hard time when he, they burned effigies of him. Imagine if they'd really been burning him. Yeah, I remember that with Colombia because they, they, didn't they shoot a guy off the plane? As no. He was like coming off the plane, wasn't it? No, I, 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 thought they it was ki- the... I thought they killed the keeper. No, it was the player who scored the own goal. So he oh, like, goal, okay. He scores the own goal that, had, that knocked them out. Um, he wasn't killed instantly off the plane. He was killed a little bit later. but uh, And he was warned, so, okay. so like, don't go back to Colombia. And he decided to still... I, I said decided. He wasn't being flippant about the threat. I think he was trying to prove a point. But uh, he did not prove his point. <laughs> that, that point yeah. did not get proven. Um. Frank, all right, Eddie. Do you want to take a guess at what my number one is? Uh, you said miracle, didn't you? As like I've mentioned, miracle. He said miracle was an honorable mention. Uh, Yeah, because I would have gone like some sort of ice hockey thing. And he ruled out. No, he said no hockey movies in his top five. Ah, The plot thickens. It's a football movie. And you said it's not. Um. It's not Remember uh, the Titans. It's not Remember the Titans. It's not Friday Night Lights. Oh, any no. is that any given Sunday? Any given Sunday? Yeah, I'll go. I, any given I Sunday. do not like. I do not like any given Sunday. Although I love Jamie Fox in in any given Sunday, but it's so not it's a top a, five. It's a football movie that's not one of those. The Blind Side. <laughs> no, it's similar to what you said. It's it's a lesser known true story that now is very well known about is one it, person about one person is it's that Rudy. movie oh god no what an awful movie wait what was it what was it sorry? what Rudy. an awful movie 
No, Rudy is an amazing movie. The thing that I throw out, because I like read articles about the real life Rudy, right? And I've seen him in interviews and he just comes across as such a prick. Anyway, Frank, <laughs> Frank, give us, your, give us your one minute pitch. Oh, it's, it is another one of those like true underdog stories, undersized player who his whole life wanted to play for Notre Dame, did everything he could to try and play, just got his ass beat day in and day out, never like gave up, never gave in, worked, worked at it and worked at it. And then finally got his chance and makes the most of his two plays that he gets into. And then has the iconic image of being carried off the field. And then they freeze it. And it says no one has been carried off the field at Notre Dame since whatever year it happened. Well, that's a lie because Mente Teo carried his girlfriend off the field after every Notre Dame game match. Oh God, not that guy. I thought he would never be brought up again. Yeah, I just, I just knew you wanted another Hawaiian mentioned in the, in the podcast. For context, Sam, because you're probably totally under, unfamiliar with this story. Mm-hmm. Although you may have heard it because it was back when you were playing fantasy football with us and stuff. Uh, Manti Teo was a Notre Dame linebacker who was projected to go like really high, like star of Notre Dame, one of the stars of college football at the time. And then it turned out he kind of claimed at multiple times that he had this girlfriend who was sick and all this sort of stuff. And as it turned out, he'd been catfished and it was a man pretending to be a woman, like some friend of a cousin or something like that, some bizarre story. And she had never existed and uh, everything had been made up. Oh, wow. How long was it going on for? Oh, like several years. A long time. Yeah. Wow. A long time to get catfished. Yeah. Like, to not figure out, to never be like, can I, like, yeah. Why can we Skype? And, and I mean, the other thing too, I feel like as an athlete you, who is projected to do really well and make a lot of money, don't you have to kind of be on your edge a little bit that people are going to try and take advantage of you and, and, bleed off of you and things like that where i mean even you'd be suspicious if you have a cousin that just shows up out of nowhere that suddenly wants to you know do everything with you and be your manager and you know like whatever to try and get money off of you but to get catfished for several years it's unreal i just also i think you're right like if i was an aspiring athlete at that level like you know like he knew he was going to be a, make it to the nfl in some way yeah you're definitely more suspicious and cautious but also, like, at some point, like, imagine if it's me. Imagine we just put this in my scenario. And I'm like, hey, guys, I've got this girlfriend, blah, 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 blah. And I keep telling you guys about her. But then you're like, oh, did you meet her? No. Oh, is she ever coming to visit? No. Oh, uh, like, mm-hmm. do you guys, like, video chat on Skype? Nope. Uh, do you do any of this? And then you're just like, uh, this is kind of weird, Eddie. Like, even yeah. if she's a real person, what you're, the dynamic of your relationship is odd. And no matter how many excuses you keep getting spun, like the fact that the fact that there wasn't more to it, like you think you'd sniff it out pretty quickly that either it's a catfish scenario or it's just not a good relationship. Yeah. I mean, what you've got normal circumstances aside. So let's just say you're both in Paris, like you'd probably give it maybe a month if you hadn't already met by that point. I'd say after a month, I'd be like, why? You, you would, would get you would think you get bored if nothing else. You'd yeah, be like, I'd be like, this is pointless. This yeah. is completely pointless. 
And I, I think mean, so they weren't, they, they weren't in the same place, right? She was claiming to be from San Diego, I think, or something. Or he got, was it, she was claiming to be from, maybe even from Hawaii. Like, there was some, they weren't in the same place. But still, you would have thought Video at some chat. point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Phone call. <laughs> no, they did phone calls. Because the guy put it, had a high pitch, he would do like this high pitch fake voice. So they did have phone calls. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google it afterwards. The guy like got interviewed afterwards and he did the voice and stuff. It's a really, really cringy interview where this like guy does it and he kind of tries to explain why he was cat. Like he doesn't look good out of it, right? Like he looks like a real loser because he was just catfishing this athlete for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. because that's the worst part about it. There didn't seem to be any like real financial gain or benefit from it. It was just a stupid thing to have done. It just like made Mante Teo look really bad. And there was, when the story first broke, there was an element where people thought that Mante Teo was aware of the fact that she wasn't real and that he'd like made this up for different reasons for his own gain because he had so, he had spoken like pretty openly about the fact that I think she had leukemia or some other form of cancer. And it was this accusation that he had made this up on purpose to like benefiting his career by being like, Oh wow. What a nice guy. He's exactly. dating someone so I with think leukemia. There was, there was the element at first where people were thought that he was in on it. And then it was like, Oh no, he's just really stupid. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's a terrible look to be a person who falls for it that bad. I mean, it yeah. was bad. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have drafted him after that. I legitimately, I'm not even just saying that as a joke. Like, if I'd had him on my draft board, I would have been like, no, this guy is too, st- how many more mistakes is he going to make over the course of his career? <laughs> if he can't identify that he's talking to a fake person after four years, how can he read a cover three defense? <laughs> or even just like, he's not going to get a phone call from like, you know, you'd be playing a playoff game and he's going to get like a phone call from someone on the opposition team being like, Oh, hey, it's your defensive coordinator here. Uh, do you think you could? I lost my playbook. Do you think you could send the playbook over to me? And he'd be like, Oh, yeah, sure, coach. I'll send it right over. <laughs> A beautiful scene that you painted. I know. And just if anyone needs me for any uh, voice work, you know, uh, I'm available. I've got range. All right, Sam. Oh, we know your number one is Gladiator, right? <laughs> yeah, what do you want? <laughs> Damn, what, Sam, what would have your, so what was your number one going to be if Gladiator hadn't been accepted as a sports movie? Was it your number two or what did the order shift? Yeah, I just kind of pushed them all down. So actually, I wrestled with it a lot, but I, I did have Dodgeball up there. I, I don't know if, I don't know how truly I believe that. But when I thought about all the films I'd watched, because, you know, my range of sports movies was limited, I do think it is one of my favorite. It is just a fantastic film, but simultaneously, I do think it did a lot for the sports genre, I guess. So, all right, I, I have a list of a bunch of other ones that obviously didn't make it. I'm just going to rattle off a few. You guys just quickly tell me what you think. Um, so none of us mentioned Raging Bull, which is on a lot of people's lists. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have not seen Raging Never Bull. Never seen it. Never seen it. Yeah, same. Uh, Bull Durham was on a lot of people's lists. That wasn't on any of ours. Yeah, it's, I mean, good okay. movie, but it wouldn't crack my like top five baseball movies. So it's an issue yeah. for me to, to put it in there. Yeah. 
And um, I'm guessing Sam hasn't seen it. No. Uh, Eddie, do you remember basketball? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Would that be in your basketball. sports movies? No. <laughs> A lot. It's crazy to me how many boxing movies there were. When we, I we didn't so, mention. So well, none of us Ali, mentioned Ali. Million. Yeah, Ali's Ali, pretty good. Million Dollar Baby. The Fighter was pretty good. That's a recent movie. Cinderella Man, another Russell Crowe movie that was pretty good. I really like that. As a, I think that would probably be up there in my boxing movies between that and The Fighter. Yeah, Cinderella Man. I think I've only seen Cinderella Man once, but I enjoyed it. But it wouldn't crack any top lists for me, but it's, it's good. It's like the worst of that period when Russell Crowe was in really good movies. Yeah. And then you had even like the Southpaw like is that more recent one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Uh, what are some other ones? Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Is that considered a sports movie? I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen it. Actually, it's, one that yeah, I did it's a think car about. racing movie. It's yeah, a good movie. I, I thought about Senna as well. That's a good film. And then there's the other. What's the other one with Hemsworth? Uh, Rush. Oh, Rush. 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 Yeah, that movie's. I personally thought that movie sucked, but I didn't really like it as much. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari was better, I thought. Bad News Bears. No one mentioned that one. That's uh, on a lot of people's lists. And then all the the football movies: Any Given Sunday, The Program, Friday Night Lights, Varsity Blues. None of those. Yeah, I mean, I really like Any Given Sunday, so. And again, I'm not again, the hugest fan we, of any given we've, we've talked about, we talked like part of the argument that came up time and time again, right? Is iconic. Yeah. Speech uh, like and, quotes and stuff. And you have to say that any given Sunday probably has like a top five iconic speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, to me, this is one of those bizarre things. The number of sports teams you still hear to talk about it today that like, oh, on our way to the game, the coach put the any given Sunday speech like on the team bus and we all watched it and we got pumped. Like you hear people still talk about that. And that to me is kind of bizarre because I would have thought by now it's just like worn off. Like I, I, the any given Sunday speech, like, you know, when I very see it, I still think like, wow, it's, it's a good speech like yeah. movie sports speech, but I don't think it would sort of get me amped before a sporting event. Now I think I'd be like, pull out a new trick, please. This is a, <laughs> yeah. And then we mentioned the Friday night lights. I think the, the show is better. And varsity blues is, a, is varsity blues is a really good movie. I mean, it's not good enough to be in a top five, but it's an enjoyable movie. I have to say, so I didn't see the Friday night lights movie until about two months ago. So I really? watched the whole yeah I'd read I'd watched the whole TV series when it was on and then I'd read the book uh probably like 10 years ago probably read the book and then I knew the movie existed but I'd never watched it and I knew like Billy Bob Thornton was the coach yeah. like I knew the basic details of it but never watched it watched it was pleasantly surprised by how good it was because it was one of those things of like having liked the TV show and having liked the book I was skeptical as to like how much I was going to like the movie. The thing I didn't know is that I didn't know that like Carrie Britton played the wife in both, both. the movie and the TV yeah. show. Yeah. And also the, there's a number of other characters. There's like a number of other actors who are in both the movie and the TV show. And that was kind of wild to me. Cause I, it almost confused me for a second with particularly the Carrie Britton aspect. I was like, hold on a second. Like she's playing. Britain. 
Connie Britton, sorry, yeah. <laughs> like that, that, like that almost, that actually in a way kind of took me out of it because then you're kind of like trying to separate it from the TV show and I couldn't because you're yeah. like 50% of the kind of central figures here are exactly the same. Well, there's, there was a Friday Night Lights marathon on this weekend because apparently that's very American for Labor Day, I guess. I don't know. So I've been watching a good amount of them this weekend. And it's a good show, but it's just so funny. Some of the lines that come out of that show that when people are writing them, they, they have to almost be writing them to be like, oh, this is so ridiculous. We just have to put it in. Like the one that stands out in my mind is in season one when the quarterback goes down and, and he becomes paralyzed and then his best friend slash fullback starts sleeping with his girlfriend and then they're getting out of bed together one, one morning and he's like, oh, I think we should talk. And she's like, what do you want to talk about, Riggins? that you're having sex with your best friend's paraplegic girlfriend? And it's like, no, 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 write no, that quote? No, 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 Frank, that's not the quote. He wasn't having sex <laughs> with his best friend's paraplegic <laughs> Wait, wait, just for me to laugh now, what was the quote? Uh, the quote is, that is he's having sex with sex. his paraplegic best friend. Best friend's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yes, sorry. The I best friend was paraplegic. It's not the <laughs> girlfriend. Oh, that's so good. Too many words in a sentence. I got too excited. I mean, oh, what a so different funny. show. What a different <laughs> show. <laughs> oh, my, girl, my girlfriend was paralyzed and then she started cheating on me. Oh, we should write. We should write into it. Did you also know that there's a fourth season where they split the district? Did you? Did you, have, did you see it that far? I've seen every episode. Yeah. Oh, where it becomes like East and West Dylan. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan's in it. Yeah, skinny Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, before he took the roids for Creed. Yeah. Don't get me started oh, on Michael funny. B. Jordan. Okay, I won't. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> okay. enough. <laughs> All right. Oh, here's one that none of us had. Cool Runnings. Yeah. Yeah, good movie. And again, iconic quote, right? Um, yeah. Genuinely enjoyable. I probably haven't seen it for like 15 years, but I'm sure if I watched it again, I'd find it like reasonably funny and stuff. But but yeah, I yeah. wouldn't crack my top list. But yeah, good movie. Yeah, that's about all I really had. Days of Thunder. Man, Tom Cruise been in a lot of sports movies. Might just be those two. Yeah, I was gonna say it's two. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. Thunder, Jerry Maguire. It's a lot for a guy who's had an acting career active <laughs> for 35, 40 years. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he probably can't do many because he's so short. Yeah, except not he's, realistic. Although it suits him, right? Because he loves running on on screen. So yeah, he's the best at running on screen. Well, I'd also recently the- read him. I recently read an article where not only um, does he like running on screen, he kind of it, one of his requirements when he's running is that no other actors are running in the in the scene with him, because he thinks he runs really well, but that most people don't run well on camera. So if it's him running next to someone and they don't run well, it will look stupid. And no, so he does have them. 
I mean, he's right. No, he does have he, a very iconic run. Yeah. No, I think he just thinks that in general, it run it has the risk of turning the scene kind of into a joke of like, look at this stupid person running. Like it takes you out of the moment. And I guess he like most of the time he's in action movies and stuff, right? If someone had a really stupid run and they're running away from something, you'd be like, look at this idiot. Well, like Mission Impossible, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really good at when he runs and then jumping and he like wails his arms as he's jumping. He's oh, really like when good he broke, at that. When he broke his ankle, jumping over that. Yeah, movie. oh, that was so gross. No, I think that the most so impressive gross. the most impressive thing Tom Cruise does when he, does, when he runs is when he goes around a corner because he does like a 45 degree lean. <laughs> like he properly- Oh wait, I'm about to go now. and watch this. Yeah. How would you know that? <laughs> just, just go and, he has such an iconic run. Just go and watch a Tom Cruise running scene and he you'll does. see when he turns around the corner, he doesn't do it. Like most people when they run around the corner, you lean a little bit, but you're kind of doing most of it by, with just like the angle of your legs and stuff. He's full on upper body tilts. Like it looks like he's fixed into the ground and you've just made him angle. All right, I'll take a look at that. Yeah. So, yeah, and then we didn't do any of the, none of us had the two horse racing of Seabiscuit or Secretariat on there. Because they both suck. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a difficult one, right? I mean, it's, I think it's the, it's the downside to kind of fringe sports. They tend to translate into really bad movies because if you enjoy the sport, the, the movie isn't made for you. Like the Seabiscuit movie isn't made for people who love horse racing. It's I think Secretary like, is a decent movie. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting I'm, It's kind of why I'm worried, right? They're making that movie about Frankel. Well, about Sir Henry Cecil and Frankel. Hmm. And I'm worried that that movie is going to be just cringeworthy. Like corny. Yeah. Like super it's going to be horrible because both of them have such a good legacy as well. And it would just be so sad just to see it get like horribly shown on the big screen. Yeah. I mean, that's the downside. Like you had it in tennis, right? I would argue that like Wimbledon, probably one of the worst sports movies of all time. Um, I don't think what cricket the, is it. There's the other tennis movie with yeah, the, with Steve Carell and Emma Stone. Um, yeah, the is it not Billie Jean King? Oh, the Battle of the Sexes. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. I've never seen the movie, but me neither. And then the only other one I had on this list, Eddie, have you ever seen Blue Chips? No. Oh, with Shaq, you've never seen Blue Chips with Shaquille O'Neal. No. Speaking and of I that, believe... no, one, no one had Space Jam. Space Jam's an interesting one that you haven't included. Yeah, I like Space Jam. I'm interested now to see how the new one's going to be. Yeah. Did you see the new Space Jam uniforms that they released? They look pretty cool. They got a, a lot of blowback from people because I think people were wanting them to be more uh, sort of similar to the originals. Yeah, and they're quite a different look. I actually it's, thought they were kind of cool. I thought they were cool looking. There's such a fanfare going on about this because obviously LeBron in on it as well. I'm I'm loving it. I I think it will release massively. I think there'll be so yeah. much fanfare to it. The thing that bothers I mean, me, I, I will say, with the Space Jam, you get people complaining. Like you got like 22 year olds complaining about the fact they don't like the remaking of Space Jam, and it's like. Hey, your your relationship with Space Jam anyway is basically as a remake almost because you're not experiencing it either yeah. in the time or with any real connection to any of the characters in the movie. Yep. So to have such a level of attachment to it, to me, just bothers me. Like it's one thing for people of our age where you're like, it was a key childhood movie. 
It was about 96, wasn't it? So yeah, I would have been like eight, nine, eight, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's growing up. And it's like, you watch it and it's like, oh, Muggsy Bogues. Like, I remember Muggsy Bogues playing. There's no kid who didn't see Muggsy Bogues play that would know who Muggsy Bogues is. No, I think the only people you'd recognize if you weren't like a kid or, or older, obviously in the 90s, you'd recognize Charles Barkley because he's maintained his fame by being on TV. You probably, like Larry Bird's in it, right? As a... Yeah, I, they've just played golf on. together. Yeah, like yeah. that's when Jordan gets sucked into the cup. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that's we hear every day. Yeah. <laughs> I love how naive we were in the 90s to accept that sentence. Yeah, that's another one, I guess, because Larry Bird obviously is super famous, but also because he's stayed involved like he still works in the nba you you'd recognize him but so many of those players you just wouldn't if you're yeah, not so if you weren't in the era you would just they would be meaningless to you it's barkley patrick ewing uh larry johnson sean bradley and muggsy bogues yeah are the five i mean sean bradley unless you're mormon you've probably totally forgotten about <laughs> I say that I'm pretty sure Sean Bradley was Mormon. Maybe I was or he lives in New up. Jersey because he played for the Nets, I believe, right? Yeah, I think Sean Bradley was Mormon. But uh, so my only thing is originally there was talk that it was going to be Blake Griffin that, that played the main character. And that would have been stupid. If it was anyone but LeBron, I think it kind of would have been a little stupid because he's the only one right now I think that should be if if they're redoing it you know of that like caliber but it'll be i don't has it been released who the other players are i don't think so because that will be interesting to see who the other players are in it yeah i mean i guess the blake griffin argument right is that he might be the best actor like when you do see blake whoa, griffin here in lebron james and train wreck so Great. lebron james and train wreck was genuinely good i will say that and I'm he not like funny. some huge Le- LeBron James lover, and I don't think like Trainwreck is not that amazing of a movie. But but LeBron you're a James huge is... Amy Schumer lover. Yeah, yeah. If we could cut out every scene of Amy Schumer in that movie, it would turn it would turn Trainwreck into a halfway. Now here's a question: Is Trainwreck a sports movie? No. He's a sports doctor. It's a sports doctor movie. <laughs> it's a sports med movie. I mean, you could argue that Trainwreck <laughs> is as much of a sports movie as Jerry Maguire is. Yeah, it's exactly the same as Jerry Maguire, except instead of an agent, you have a sports med person. Yeah, and the only thing it doesn't include is like actual scenes of sports being played. Like the the fact that you have the the scene at the end with the touchdown yeah. and getting like injured, well knocked out or whatever, you don't have that little bit thrown in. But apart from that, Trainwreck and 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 uh, Jerry Maguire like on a par with each other for. How, how relevant sports are actually to the to the plot. Oh, actually, what about Bring It On? Cheerleading movie? Not a sport. <laughs> what about Step Up? No, dance, dancing. dance is not just a sport. dancing. And that dance isn't me. Is I just want to be clear. That is not me. Wait, knocking. is that, did you, did you have to name another Channing Tatum movie? <laughs> yeah. He's just hoping that if he, if we can, if we agree, if we're like, okay, yeah, bring it on is, step up is, then eventually we'll be like, all right, Magic, Magic Mike, Mike is a sports movie. 
wouldn't you argue that what he does as Magic Mike is more impressive than what they do in Caddyshack? <laughs> it's more athletic. I think that's just about every movie on my list. I'm sure we've left some off. You know, people. Did, did we mention league. Major League? Did we talk about no, that? We didn't ma- mention Major League. Major League is decent. I mean, and me it's, it it's a good movie that's like kind of, kind of serious, kind of funny. You know, it's got like a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, to me, the tough one with like baseball movies is there are just so many. Like, and I'm sure we've left some others off the list that are really good. But yeah, when there's when there the, some of those sports, there's just an overwhelming number of movies in there, and it makes it hard to kind of like. There's so many boxing movies. There's so many baseball movies. There's a decent number of basketball movies. Like we haven't mentioned Basketball Diaries. Um, no, there's a lot of basketball movies too that we didn't mention. Uh, I don't think. Yeah. So, Did you say white man can't jump or he got game? I, I mentioned us. I put in white man can't jump on my honorable mention list, but yeah, I mean, there's so many that we didn't mention, a lot of which are really good movies. Uh, here's a question Is American History X a sports movie? <laughs> Why? Wait, what? Oh, well, pickup basketball plays a pretty big part in American History X. Wait, but Sam did say that Gladiator is like a blood sport. So does that make Fight Club a sports movie? I guess the issue with Fight Club being not, it's not really, they're not really playing a sport. They're just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, that's that's not boxing. (laughs) That's just fist fighting and that's not a sport. Yeah, like there's no element of like the winner gaining from the win. Like the idea, right, is just kind of physically hurting yourself and someone else. So in Gladiator, the the idea of winning is surviving. Yeah, well, that's, that's a that's myth. what you get when you win. <laughs> well, that's a big myth of uh, gladiatorial combat, right? Is that act- in actual fact, gladiators didn't die that often. Like that, the, there's, it's yeah. a misconception that like the winning gladiator had to kill. Like you would either win by killing them or kill them at the end. Like actually, the vast majority of gladiators survived their their combat, win or lose. Just a little history tidbit in there. That and the mixed up thumb, right? Yeah, I know. Everyone oh, says yeah. that one. Which, I mean, either way you think about it is confusing. If someone oh, gives I can you con- a I can thumbs confu- up. Yeah. You can imagine how annoying it would be to get it the wrong way around as the gladiator is like, <laughs> do you want me to kill them? Are you, are you approving or disapproving? Yeah, yeah, I'm just like slowly moving, slowly like moving the sword towards the guy's neck and kind of like looking back up. <laughs> and looking for the emperor's reaction. Figure, yeah, try and figure out if you're doing the right thing. Can you just say kill or not kill? For fuck's sake. <laughs> All right, so that is the top five. So again, my top five is Rudy, Hoosiers, League of Their Own, Sandlot, Happy Gilmore. Eddie, yours is? Uh, chariots of fire gladiator i think i had field of dreams three um the damned united and happy gilmore christ i completely forgot mine uh gladiator dodgeball rocky four uh caddyshack happy gilmore still still massively impressed about us all having happy gilmore as five though yeah that's pretty good yeah, I guess I will say, not that we encourage people to interact with us too much, although we do get quite a few messages from people. Do uh, do comment on, I guess we can do a little post on Instagram with our top fives and do the same on Twitter. So feel free to, to follow us and to comment on there if you disagree, if you agree. I'm sure there's some movies we've forgotten, so 
uses as an opportunity to to remind us of how bad we are at this. <laughs> yeah, on Instagram we're the Big Chill Podcast, and the same on Twitter, the Big Chill Podcast. And definitely go back. Uh, so Thursday we're going to be talking about first week matchups for uh, Premier League and for the NFL. Uh, so if you're interested in what we think the season's going to look like, definitely go back to our NFL preview as well as uh, our Premier League preview. Those are the last two episodes. So definitely go back and listen to those and, and see what our hot takes are for who's going to win the divisions and who's going to be rising to the top and who's going to be relegated. And yeah, on uh, Thursday, we'll be back to give you some of our Eddie, Eddie's lock of the week. For what oh yeah. Is. I'll give, I'll give a, I'll give a Hewitt lock of the week in both the NFL and the Premier league. Perfect. And I will give you a bet. So that way you can take the opposite and win a ton of money. And Sam, the squid will try and think of something he has no knowledge about in either of those sports. Like he'll try and make some random prediction about like number of corners or something. And we'll try and figure out how good he can be at <laughs> how many corners, Sam quickly off the top of your head, how many corners will there be in the first week of Premier League fixtures? Brilliant. Let's do it. Sam, the squid, wild accusations. Throw it at, throw it at me right now. How many corners will there be? Quick fire. 75. Okay, interesting. Book it. And yeah, and just as confirmation, in case anyone's listening and somehow they don't have the internet and don't get any sports news, Dustin Johnson did win uh, the FedEx Cup. There you go. And Killian Mbappe did get coronavirus. <laughs> nice. It's just Was ripping it? through PSG. Yes, yeah, seven players now. No, he yeah. got it. Well, apparently he was at the, he got a negative test before going to join France, but then has got it. So he played, didn't he play? Yeah, he, he scored the goal. He yeah, scored the winning he scored. goal. So <laughs> the thing is, that's now seven players for PSG that have the virus and they've got their first game in three days, two days. You have to assume they're postponing that match, but. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you boys later. Yep. See you. Cheerio.